And we are live. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Break the Rules stream. I am your host, Lev Poliakov at Lovepo on Twitter. And we've got straight from Lucas's room, Giovanni ah! Penichetti, coming at you all the way live. Yes. We have got we have got average centrist, and we have got our guest of honor, extra dead JCB with the glowing eyes and the disembodied head. Welcome, buddy. Thank you guys so much for being here. We've got a beautiful cat. Do the Lion King, Geo. Show everybody what a beautiful Hildy. animal this is. Hildy, look at that beautiful cat. Look, she's look got that. a little bell, too. So when you, she's outside, you can hear her like... But, that uh, is adorable. I have my new computer. This is why I'm in my studio room. Here, let me flip the virtual background again uh here you and go everybody you everybody go. subscribe there we go look uh, at that uh, look i have a computer monitor for my screen sorry a tv because i could like do my engraving and my painting so it's going to be a big up hopefully i can do the btr shorts but uh lev uh but before we get started what do you think of that dome buddy i mean uh, who should uh who's got to pay I am not going to be I am not going to be put into the situation of talking about the dome at this point. The only dome that I am concerned about right now is the dome <laughs> of our minds where we have to think about a lot of these things through and not be pinned down yeah. like a, like a wrestler, you know, at an unexpected point. I'm going to take a look at what they, exactly is going on there with the money, the yada, 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 yada. Well, let the missiles. It's... No, I'm not, I'm not going to be pinned down like this. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to look through the entire, I'm going to look through the entire article and then I'm going to let you know my thoughts. But I'm with so, that, but with that, that let's go to uh, Extra Dead JCB. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I mean, you've been here before on BTR multiple times. You are a uh, you are a Mormon. You've got beautiful flashing red eyes, as all Mormons do. And uh, <laughs> so there we go. Let's just let's just go <laughs> let's just go right into you. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm I'm a longtime listener, longtime caller, um, and. Uh, I guess, uh, what do you want to know as far as like, so, so, um, I was recently, uh, doxxed by some commies and, um, lost the job and then started a group called exit where we help other people who are in similar situations or who are trying to prepare for similar situations. Um, if that's been unbelievably exciting so like as far as i don't know if you're trying to go like from a from a ground floor intro or like what's going on with me these days that's what's going on with me these days well before Peace. we get to these days why uh why would you say that you are a mormon to begin with how did your family come to be mormons can you trace your family lineage back all the way to joseph smith's time and uh like how how back can we go here or <laughs> was it a recent uh, conversion on your family's part or on your part well, so the, the church is still uh, more than 50% convert. Um, it's, it's um, you know, th there's definitely a lot of folks for whom it's ancestral. But uh, so, so my, my grandfather is kind of old stock. He had family in the, in the Willie Handcart company. So there's a, uh, one of the stories of the lore is um, people left late in the season to go to Utah from, you know, the Midwest and ended up getting caught in the mountains and they were pulling like essentially wheelbarrows, uh, kind of like a backwards wheelbarrow because they didn't have enough to, to actually afford wagons. Um, and so that's sort of like a, a, a 
classics tale of struggle of the pioneers. And so one of my grandfather's ancestors was in that group, but um, everybody else is, is converts. And I was, so my mom was not involved in the church when I was growing up. And so I was, you know, going like every year or something, like we'd go see grandma and I'd go to church. Um, but it wasn't until I started going to seminary actually. So we, we have a thing where, uh, kids, you know, before school in the morning, every, every weekday go to essentially religious instruction. And, um, I was 15 or 16, had a friend that was willing to take me kind of roll me out of bed. And I just found it really compelling. And there's a lot of powerful truths there. And, um, I, decided to serve a mission actually before I was regularly attending church. And my mom, who, you know, wasn't involved in the church, but knew a little bit about the culture was like, well, if you want to go on a mission, you should probably go to church once or twice. And um, so I I did that for about nine months and then went on the mission. And uh, that was kind of my, 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 my genuine like conversion experience was definitely like in the early days of the mission. But uh, yeah, that's, what would you say was it in the mission that created the genuine conversion for you? Well, I talked to God. I mean, so, so a lot of people, especially like online, like trads, um, it's, there's a tendency to like intellectualize it and to like make it about, well, I, I encountered some historical facts or I encountered some like, I encountered like an ontological argument that convinced me there was a God. And frankly, I think a lot of that stuff is pretty weak. Um, And, and it's, it's really not a substitute for experience. And so, um, yeah, no, I, I mean, in, in, in the MTC, I had my, maybe not my first experience, but my first sort of unambiguous experience of revelation. And, um, that uh, I, I can go into much, much more detail about that if you're interested, but that was essentially what it was. It was personal revelation, personal experience. Well, I definitely am interested. How would you define personal revelation specifically in this case? Like how much can you really say about what exactly it was and why it led you to the conclusions that you uh, currently have? Yeah, well, so there's a, there's a passage in uh, the Book of Mormon that says... Um, you know, everything that inspires you to do good and serve Christ is sent forth by the power and gift of Christ. And you can know that it's of God and everything that inspires you to do evil and to not serve God is of the devil. And you can know that with a perfect knowledge that it's of the devil. And, and, um, you know, at, at that age, I, I was, uh, skeptical and I was like, well, it's kind of a cheat, right? Like you just sort of, you sort of assign all the good things to one team and all the bad things to another team. And then like, uh, that doesn't prove anything. Right. But I decided that I was just going to act as if that voice in my head that was, uh, telling me to do the right thing, the thing that I didn't really feel like doing, but that I should do, uh, like that was God. And, um, to, to listen to it as best as I could, you know, just Jiminy cricket, like, like just listen to your conscience. Mm. And, um, I found that as I studied the scriptures and as I prayed and as I tried to obey that voice, I discovered that 
that that voice knew things I didn't know. It it wanted things I didn't want. It um, it was oriented in directions that hadn't occurred to me. And and sort of um, somebody else I was talking to recently brought up that it's like bicameralism, like the bicameral mind. Um, how ancient peoples sort of uh, well, there's a theory anyway that ancient people sort of weren't psychologically developed enough to recognize that they were like an integrated person that they like, like they would hear their conscience, like literally talking to them. And uh, I, I, I'm sort of like, yes. And that's good actually. Like, like I think, I think. Um, yeah. Young, young talked about that. He got that from Julian James, like how the, the quote unquote primitives, they didn't have a separation. Like they didn't have like a conscious individual mm. separation. So, but that is an interesting idea though, when it comes to this, ability for relatively modern humans definitely not all modern humans but relatively modern humans to have this idea of being themselves as opposed to being part of a hive mind where you would still have and i could be wrong about this i mean you tell me in your various experiences of uh going all around the world well where have you gone first of all just so we establish that which parts of the world have you gone in terms of uh missions Oh no no no! You, so so the way we do it is is you 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 go to a mission. You, you serve a mission to a place, mm. and um, and you do that when you're between you know nineteen and like twenty five. But generally, like right around eighteen or nineteen, and um, and uh, you go you go one place, and then and then you sort of are expected to like we don't have a a monastic or a professional religious class, and that's like for a reason. Um, it's very much like you're supposed to have this experience, do your duty, learn the things you're supposed to learn. And then you're supposed to go live a, a full productive life. Like, like there's no, there's not like a, the sacred and profane distinction is very, uh, fluid in our tradition. It's, it's everything mm. is like your job is a sacred responsibility because that's how you take care of your family. And like, it's, it's anyway. So the point is you, um, you go once and then you get on with life. And then when you're sort of uh, your kids are maybe grown or close to out of the house, then you and your wife can potentially go again. Is it similar to um, like American Protestantism? And like, does it take that same, like there can be no, sense of a mysterium the way there is in apostolic Christianity, for instance, in Catholicism or Orthodoxy. Is it like that same sort of um, everything out in the open approach or is it there well, no, no sort I mean, of hierarchy? I mean, we're sort of, we're sort of famous for having our weird, scary, spooky temples. No, no, but um, I mean, among like yourself, like there's no like mystical sort of um, denotion denoting among. yeah it's not ritualistic and stuff like that if you if that's what you're getting at like Maybe. it's not yeah it's not it's well, not like based in that kind of like paganist type stuff and there is both. the uh there is the magic underwear though i know that's kind of yeah. become the subject of jokes but uh that does no, no, exist not right like it's not mystical. just a that's that's more of a um well a, well i am curious right. is, is is there something mystical about the undergarments oh, God. well well no no it's okay it's okay i mean you know Lev, Lev's a respectful dude. I, I, I get it. Um, it. It's, um, I would say there's almost a total bifurcation. I was actually just talking to a friend about this yesterday. Um, who's a, who's a recent convert. 
um, and he was talking about sort of the culture. And I, I, what I told him was like, if you go read Hugh Nibley or you go read Brigham Young or you go read Skousen or you go to the temple, you're going to have one experience of the gospel, which is highly ritualized. It's highly symbolic. There's it's it's very mystical is maybe the wrong word, but it's very uh, not Protestant. <laughs> mm. And um, yeah, I suppose so. And then and then you're going to go to church every Sunday and it's very down to earth. It's, it's very, very grounded. And like, it's almost, um, it's almost kind of gauche or immature to like get too mystical and weird in that context. Like people will kind of mm-hmm. look at you funny. And I think that's unfortunate. I think, I think there needs to be more of a marriage of those two worlds culturally, mm-hmm. but um, now they both exist. They both exist. And, and, and what most guys, most of the guys that I vibe with, are guys who fell in love with that strange, mysterious, deep, interesting world, but who are also able to sort of navigate, like, let's, you know, like, because one of the things that's good about sort of the practical community is that it's very oriented around, like, serve your neighbor, repent of your sins, be honest, be straight. Like, it's very, like, um... And it's very sober-minded, too. No alcohol Mm -hmm. and not even coffee. No stimulants. Well, yeah, I mean, it's... it's, And maybe that's... I think that's that's more of a, a part of the culture that people outside are really interested in rather than something that, like, we talk about a ton. It's, mm. you know, it's, mm. that's, that's just sort of in the air. Well, you don't yeah. talk about it, but I bet that it does have a positive influence on the way that people go about life. Oh, sure. Because it, al- it almost seems like like all the great religions, they talk about this problem of attachment, whether we're talking about the attachment to Maya as an illusion or whatever, or if we're talking about attachment to various vices. So it's almost like we run on this coffee fuel, we uh, need alcohol to calm down, we need to take all sorts of prescription meds to do all kinds of stuff with us, and it seems like the less you rely on all these things, the more you're able to exercise your willpower, and if we go by this whole as above, so below idea of our thoughts affecting reality it is almost like a test for growing one's willpower and descending to higher levels of consciousness in a way no i think there's i think there's definitely truth to that i will say um because the list of proscriptions is very specific um there are definitely vices that people in the church uh, are much more comfortable with just because it's sort of not on a list. And so like, the, you know, you know, I, and I don't want to like, I'm not trying to like, I really hate people who, who, who bag on the church to, to people outside. And I'm not trying to do that. I'm just, um, I'm just putting it in perspective of like, yes, there's a principle here, which is about, uh, discipline and about, um, freedom really uh to, to 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 act for yourself and not to be acted upon that's a phrase that gets tossed around in the church quite a lot mm-hmm. um uh and 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 but at the same time you know there's there's a lot of problem with with uh obesity and pills and and things that things that are sort of in gray areas as far as like the explicit prohibitions but that are obviously contrary to the principle if that makes sense 
I, I am curious when it comes to something like antidepressants, for example, is that a big factor in Mormon life? I would assume that with more family cohesion, there'd be less reliance upon that. But uh, let me know. I don't think the stats are great on that. I mean, I, I think, uh, first of all, depression and suicide uh, are, are quite high in Utah. They're also quite high in Wyoming and Colorado. And there's some evidence that maybe that's linked to altitude. I mean, it's not like it's not obvious that that utah is like an outlier either way relative to sort of non-lds communities around it so i can't really speak to that probably deindustrialization de more than anything is probably a good contributing factor right as yeah like as utah is utah considered part of the rust belt i, I forget no no i mean mm. utah's utah's more on its way to being like denver or oh okay it's 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 much more um tech bro kind of mm. direction that it's that it's going in and and a big part of that is because you know historically we've been very um uh very inclined to sort of embrace uh americana yeah. and and that and that in the in the from like the 70s to today has kind of included the corporate culture mm. and so yeah Anyway, go on. Well, well, I did kind of want to uh, make a note, while I want to be very respectful towards the religion, I do want to make a note that some of the interiors of the temples that I've seen, and this is not a knock on the religion itself, but it is a question of who are the people that make the decisions of interior design, that some of the temples, there is a bit of a... Um, I will try to use my words well here, but there's a bit of a tackiness in terms of how they're designed. Like, I like <laughs> that they're leaning on there being this neoclassicalness, but it's not really there. You know, it's like it's more it feels like I know there's something Trump like about it, almost like some of the ways that they're designed. So I don't know if that's anything that you could comment on or talk about. I'm just kind of curious, like, why is it that a lot of these interiors that I've seen of the temples have that kind of flair? And look, I've seen the same thing in the Catholic Church as well. I recently went by my old Catholic school. I went to this pond with uh, Mary there, and there was like this really tacky kind of like faux uh, crystal uh, blue background around her and it's like this is not something that you would see in the Vatican you know like it's the taste has been lowered so I don't well, know I'm just curious I'll say this I'll say this um, the only I, I feel like the church is one of the only organizations or institutions that's even trying to that's even trying to uh look backward and 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 participate in the sort of historical scope of things rather than just building like weird polygons and and so like there are definitely some missteps um and and a lot of design elements that i wouldn't pick i mean some of that's just uh you know you and i are of a certain age and the people making the decisions uh in the church are of a different uh age cohort um but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think uh, in general, I give them credit for trying and and um, and there are definitely cases of of great beauty. I mean, I, I, the one that I remember the best is there's in the Salt Lake Temple, there's a stained glass window of Michael or 
I can't remember if it's Michael with the flaming sword or if it's the angel casting Adam and Eve out of the garden with the flaming sword. But it's on the it's on the side of a staircase. And if you catch that when the sun is like late morning and it's just blasting through that window, it's one of the most incredible. It's just it's unbelievably beautiful. And so I believe like, uh, this is the one I think I have a picture of it right over here. Let's see. Is this the one you're talking about? I don't know. That's not it. No, mm. it's different. Um, cause yeah, like that one's got sort of the, uh, the paint inside the, it's not that one. Um, but, but yeah, there's, there's, and there's, there's elements of it. And there's also like symbolic, uh, features to the temples that are, that are pretty interesting. The use of circles and squares mm. and, um, I like these yeah. cows over here, the bulls. Uh, can you mm. explain what exactly is going on here with these, uh, bulls in this, yeah, uh, so, well, so yeah. So if you read the old Testament, uh, there's a passage. If you if you Google brazen sea, like brass brazen sea, um, you'll find a description of a temple that has a or, uh, inside the, the the tabernacle. There's what's called the brazen sea, and it's um, uh, sitting on the back of twelve oxen that are meant to represent the twelve tribes of Israel. So it's actually you know pretty explicitly defined in the um, in the Old Testament. Wow. I that's a, that's a baptismal that. font. I have a picture of that over here. And uh, when I'm looking right now at the uh, Mormon structures in uh, Mexico, specifically, I think this is from uh, Chihuahua, like they look really uh, well made. Like this looks like very old school with the, uh, with the bricks and everything like that. You see the image over here, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that I think is an example of there being like a higher level civilization that's being introduced to places. Cause like, if you look at a lot of <laughs> usual, no, I mean, let's be honest here. This is not anything having to do with any racial components or anything of the sort. This is a civilizational question where you can have different cultures, but then you would have civilizations that would be of either a lower level or a higher level and they involve certain things i think higher level of civilizations if you're talking about like japan korea uh you know england whatever france they would have certain things that they would do with their buildings that i think would evoke more of a sense of holiness more of a sense of sacred geometry uh yeah. than you well, know than so, just having like shanty towns and stuff like that sure so one of the things that i one of the things that i find really cool about the temple architecture is the syncretism the way that they incorporate elements stuff like if you look i think it's the bangkok temple it 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 has like a, a it looks like thai architecture and the the mexico city temple looks like some of the uh well so so there there are there are there are mexican temples that that resemble like mesoamerican architecture and there are also mexican temples that do like the mission architecture and um you know, in, in Northern Europe, you've got like Protestant cathedral looking temples and it's like, uh, you know, it's a matter of taste, but like, I think that the, the attempt to integrate the local culture into this edifice is, is pretty neat. So. Absolutely. Now I would like to go to uh average centrist cause I know that your family also, uh, uh, were uh, Mormon, I believe, although you're from England, yeah. so that's that's an interesting thing that I would love to hear from. But before that, I just want to quickly comment on what was talked about before regarding this uh, level of freedom, where when you were talking about Julian James and people who may have been influenced by the voice of the gods or God or whatever you want to say, to me it almost seems like there is this 
evolution that happens over time for some people. Once again, I think with the rise of civilization, you would have people to start to be more aware of themselves as being an individual person as opposed to being in a hive mind, which is both a good and a bad thing. I guess it depends on when you have that level of responsibility as a self-aware human being, what do you do with that responsibility? So I think that in that way, Mormonism can be one of the things that kind of makes people utilize that in a uh, positive way. But anyway, average centrist, I would love to hear from you. Let me know uh, your story when it comes to Mormonism and all that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so um, am I coming through? Okay. It's not giving me the little yes. thing. Okay. No, yeah, cool. Good. Cool. Oh, okay. That's good. Um, yeah. So I was born into the church and I kept going until I was like 16. So, and it was pretty strict. I don't know. I don't know if there's like big differences between the UK and the USA and how it all goes down. But um, a lot of, a lot of what uh, JCB has been saying has largely matched up to like, my experience anyway but um I, i'm assuming you're still practicing though right oh sure yeah 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 okay right so because I, I stopped going when i was about 16 17 my parents stopped going first and then i was in two minds about it for a little while um because i'd always struggled i'd had my dips and troughs with belief over the years uh, which is obviously to be expected when you're indoctrinated from birth but it's um it, eventually I just realized one day that um, I didn't really need, ev you know, every, I, I didn't need a religion to tell me like what was good, what was bad. And so I had like a period of like hardcore atheism for a while, or maybe agnosticism, I suppose. I don't know exactly what we would call it, but like I looked into different religions, then I went super atheist. And, um, but then in more recent years, I've kind of come back towards uh, Christ's teachings to a large degree because uh, I went back and read some of the Bible. One of my friends was reading it too, um, you know, just for shits and giggles, really. But um, we were just kind of looking through it and stuff. And I started to realize that, like there's loads of parallels to shit, like a lot of stuff, a lot of the journey that Jesus goes through and a lot of the people that he interacts with and the things that he's calling out in, in society at the time in the, in the Bible and there's just loads of parallels to it to today. And it was just kind of blowing my mind. It, this must have been like, I don't know, a year or two ago. Um, but I was just reading it and just going like, holy shit, this shit is tight. You know, this is this is really cool. Um, and ever since then, I've kind of just been a bit, um, I don't know what you would put me down as, but like, I'm kind of, uh, some people say atheist for Christ. I don't know what if that really counts, I do kind of well, like Jordan Peterson kind of situation. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I like the symbology of it all. I think there is real usefulness to religion, but I cultural see... Christian. Yeah, I guess so. I guess you could say it that way. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, yeah, but I also see that in a lot of other religions as well, though. I see a lot of usefulness. I can see why Buddhism or Zen Buddhism and stuff like that is useful. I can see uh, where all these things go and like they, they all have a lot of similarities as well and stuff like that as well. So it's. It's interesting to me. I find a lot of this stuff interesting. So that's that's basically where I'm at with it. Um, but, uh, but I did I did have some more negative things to say about my experience with the church as well. And I don't know what uh, JCB would have to say about that. Um, maybe he sees the same kind of thing. I don't know, but maybe we can get into that in a bit. I don't know. Sure, but also first, uh, British Mormons is not something that I would expect. Can you tell <laughs> a little bit about how that yeah. uh, went down? Um, I don't even know how Mormonism came over to the UK. I guess they must have had, um, because they were about in some of the, like when America was forming and stuff, there must have still been a lot of back and forth between um, Americans and British people. 
So I imagine a bunch of them just went over um, and brought the religion over because there's actually quite a lot of UK Mormons. Uh, I don't know what the numbers are off the top of my head, but um, yeah, I mean, but there's quite a few. Yeah, I mean, I, I I can speak to that a little bit. I mean, so so Utah is like this island of intense Anglo ancestry and culture. Oh yeah, um, and it's because uh, you know during like right like during the life of Joseph Smith and 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 kind of the early part of Brigham Young's ministry, um, phenomenally successful missionary effort in the UK. And most of those people, because like the thing at the time was everybody's gathering. We're all coming together to, to, to Salt Lake. But it was enough that uh, there was a, a really substantial cohort that stayed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's that's uh, the UK was was one of the earliest like strongholds of the church outside the US. It was like it was like for a while, it was like Utah and the UK and like Samoa. <laughs> <laughs> Why, why the UK, though, other than just being part of the Anglosphere? Is it because there was more religious toleration, or what, what would you say? Uh, well, I mean, you know, there's some, some British Israelite types who have some, like, kind of semi-mystical opinions about why uh, the gospel appealed to the British. Um, Probably I, I, a Protestant thing, I would imagine, because there is, like, strong Protestant influences on the Mormon church, I think. I know, I know we were saying there was some mystical elements to it as well earlier, which I actually do agree with. I kind of spoke out of turn there, but I think there's like, there is quite a big emphasis on not like being into idols and having like, you know, big grand things usually, unless it's a temple, but like, but it's like know, American usually. Islam. Yeah. Yeah. There is actually an interesting thing that I want to discuss before we, uh, before I forget it. Haplogroup X is related to Native Americans, but at the same time, it is also uh, found as the origin point from, well, I guess you could say where there may have been Noah's Ark, you know, with Mount Ararat and all that mm. stuff. So ah. it is interesting when we think of the uh, early Mormons that started DNA research or genetic research to uh, find out who are the lost tribes of Israel. Like, I think that they wanted to link the Native Americans to the lost tribes. Well, but it so is interesting. Yeah. So what's neat about this is like most, uh, at, le the, at least the fashion among members of the church for a long time has been to place, um, to place the Book of Mormon in the Yucatan or Ecuador or somewhere in that, like, because, you know, that's where all the big monuments are. And so they want to sort of claim those. Um, but there's also the Heartlander hypothesis or the Great Lakes hypothesis, which is that it takes place, you know, right around. Which, I mean, the, the biggest problem with, like, the Mesoamerican hypothesis is that, like, the Hill Cumorah is in New England. And so you have to believe that, like, the whole book takes place, like, 3,000 miles away, and then the book itself just ends up right where Joseph Smith was. Which, you know, uh, God can do whatever. But um, I, I think it's interesting that that, that, that bubble of... of, of uh, sort of genetic material is all centered around the Great Lakes. That's interesting. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. And uh, before we get deeper into the uh, ancient civilization and stuff like that, I do want to go back to what Average Centris was talking about in relation to uh, falling out of Mormonism and first mm. ask uh, uh, Extra Dead JCB, is this something that you've heard from other people that you've uh, grown up with? Is this uh, something that's currently, let's say, happening more within the Mormon community or uh, pretty much just like it always has? Uh, no, I mean, it's, it's definitely, uh, dramatically accelerated. Um, 
I, I don't have like numbers to back that up, but um, I think everybody anecdotally is, is talking about themselves. Everybody that I know is talking about themselves. Like at least half their family is, is out. And, and uh, people want to say that's about like the internet and people found like bad things about history. I don't buy that at all. Um, I think it's about, I think it's about, uh, the sexual culture. And I think it's about, um, our culture of politeness and, and Ooh, niceness. I don't know about that. I don't know. <laughs> All right, let's get into it oh. then. So well, I, wanted, then I wanted to talk about Mormon theology, then. but this, this is an interesting spicy conversation. Yes. So, so average centrist, let, let's get into it then. What would you say would well, be the before reasons? I, but before average centrist, like, what do you mean Bennett by the sexual act? You just mean like the, uh, the cases and the breakoff groups and the media. Is that what you mean? No, 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 not, not oh. the polygamy thing. I, I mean, what I mean is the kind of prudish and stuff. Bro. Oh, that. Yeah, yeah. Not well, not just that. I, I think primarily. No, as a matter of fact, I don't think it has anything to do with premarital sex, because I think we view that as something we do to ourselves. Um, I think that there's a. Well, well, uh, essentially it's lgbt issues i think i think oh, i think okay. i think i think um, basically the church has say no more <laughs> well well people people in the church want to be nice to everybody and they want to be polite to everybody and they want to be kind to everybody and they're being told by every and and they also are, are sort of institutional and conformist and so every institution is telling them there is no polite way to believe that marriage is between a man and a woman that's an inherently in offensive thing to believe Right. And these people who are who like their morality is very much wired around like, do people think I'm a nice person? Um, it's kind of scrambling their brains a little bit. And I so think, us Catholics, we have not a similar thing because of course a lot of us predominantly Catholic cultures yes. uh, from Slavic to Mediterranean especially don't have that same uh degree of like agreeableness, I guess you could say, but it's more of like the our problem is that there's people within the church that are undermining the authority on certain sexual matters. <laughs> James Martin. Uh, so I, but I get what you mean because Mormonism is in a lot of ways, I think embedded within Americana itself, if that makes sense. So if, if the American um, historical cultural machine goes one way, then it's like, does the church go that same way? Well, like and you gotta understand. You gotta understand that that's that that's um, that's a choice that was made in like the 1950s. Mm -hmm. That's not um, that's not uh, in the DNA, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, uh, average centrist, uh, what do you think? Um, sorry, I feel like we kind of lost track a little bit there. Like, oh yeah, it was to do with the culture of the church. Like, I honestly think like a lot of people, or this is what I used to witness anyway, maybe it's different in America, but, um, it seems to me like a lot of the church is very judgmental of people. Like there's a, this really big focus on being Christ-like and trying to be as Christ, like Christ is the better example. Like, although we, you know, read the old Testament and stuff like that, the church is meant to be more centered around Christ than anything else that's why it's called the church of latter-day saints of jesus christ and not you know old testament moses bullshit and um like to me though it just seemed like a lot of people were not really trying to live that. like they weren't 
trying to um, hang out with paupers and prostitutes and lepers and the downtrodden society, they were trying to, they were basically judging those people as, you know, basically stay away from me kind of, kind of shit. And it was, it was also a very middle-class religion. I'm a very working-class person. Our family and other families, there wasn't many, but there was a couple of families who were also kind of working-class. We got shunned quite a lot as well. Uh, treated, I wouldn't say we were treated badly, but we weren't looked on very well. You know what I mean? You can tell when there's cliques going on and shit like that. And I honestly, I just think when new people come into the church, it would happen a lot where like people would try to be friends with them and stuff like that, but then they might swear or they might have a cigarette or they might do something that kind of makes everyone go, oh no, you know what I mean? And it's just like, to me, it was just like that growing up in the church and being told to be like Christ, I thought to me, that was completely anti-Christ. Like that, that to me was like, just not a good example of how to actually approach people with the religion. And I also just felt like, um just ultimately it's just not what he's about like that's just not what it's about and, and to me and especially now I just see the religion in a much more symbolic and more encompassing way whereas when I was in the church the people that were there it seemed like it was a lot more on a surface level basis so I don't know I don't know if JCB's got anything to say about that but like that was my impression and when I came out of the church um those were a lot of the reasons why I was leaving well, I mean, all, you know, and I don't want to, it's always hard to talk to anybody about um, experiences they had when they were a teenager, because those experiences were real, but also everybody has a more surface level experience when they're a teenager. And then that refines and oh, becomes I'm deeper about the kind adult, of adult leaders as well. Well, right. But the perspective on that is also you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's, it's, and, and I mean, as far as what you do about, um, what you do about, uh, sort of, uh, bad behavior is that, that I, I feel like, I feel like progressives often treat that like it's a really simple question and like, we should just be nice. Um, and I, I, I think part of the reason why Christianity is so challenging and why it's so, uh, why it's such a struggle is that that's not a simple question at all. Like, like, you know, if well, someone guess... is, if someone is hurting themselves or hurting other people, which is what sin is ultimately, right. Um, the, the, the right thing to do is not like the super enabled pat, obvious bumper sticker. Well, I mean, I mean, it's, it's probably not to enable them. It's also not to be a dick to them. Like there's, there's clearly, um, there's clearly like something that Jesus would do, but Jesus didn't always tell the sinner, you know, that's fine. In fact, well, he never no, said, of course not. Here, here's the problem. I think with that particular issue of like uh, gay marriage, for instance, is that when you have a sort of, um, I just let's for the sake of it, my Catholic example, you have a morality or rather a view of human identity, which is more ancient than a modern conception of identity being not just a choice, but something that is in a weird way, in a profane counter initiatory way, sacred to people. 
So there is no polite way of saying, well, I disagree with the act, but I don't hate the sinner because to them, that's inherently credulous to the modern liberal because that is like, oh, you mean you're invalidating my identity when we believe that our identity is given to us by Christ. So not that it's given to us by Christ, like we can choose, but what makes like the being of beings, what makes us whole is what is given to us by our Lord. So you have this inherent distinction between identity as a choice that is encompassed upon encompassing various acts that you can choose to not satiate or satiate as opposed to identity is like this super reified thing that you have to respect because I merely speak it into being and therefore it becomes sacrosanct to my identity and who I well, am. It's, 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 I mean, that's, that's ultimately why religious wars get fought. It's, and that's yes. another thing that, that's another thing that's viewed as sort of this path, like, well, you know, people in the 1600s were just stupid and, and morally evil and, mm-hmm. and, and made worse decisions than we make. We're much wiser than them now, but that's not the case at all. The, the difference is, uh, we had sort of this, uh, I mean, they, they went through all that. And then we built up this construct of religious toleration where it's like, right. there, there's a set of things we're not going to fight over anymore. Um, and, and essentially secularism has come along and created a different, a, a novel uh, set of things to argue about, but it's broken off all of, it's like a virus that's mutated. It's broken off all the markers that, that label something as a religion. Mm-hmm. And so those people don't feel the same uh, sort of post enlightenment obligation to be uh, to be sort of tolerant and respectful of people who disagree. It's, it's like, no, it's not a religion. This is like the fundamental truth of the universe, which is what everybody believes about their religion. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's the fundamental truth of the universe. And, and for you to invalidate that is like a crime. It's like a sin. It's evil. But right. so then that's a religion as well, at least to those people. You can call it something else, but the way that they end up treating it, all of their sacred beliefs, that seems to be the way, if I'm not mistaken. Well, right. And, and, and so uh, we're essentially in a, in a cold religious war right now where, where mm. uh, and, and the difficulty on our side is that, uh, you know, all, all our side really has in common is a common enemy. Like, right, we don't we have, have much else in common. Very radical conceptions of 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 the purpose of life, and so uh, it's harder for us to hang together. Because, like a, a a progressive Catholic and a progressive Muslim and a progressive Jew and a progressive Mormon, there's very little daylight between them because they're fundamentally they're progressives. Like that's the religion, and the rest of the stuff is like funny hats and and. You know, well, while dressing. I while I would uh, while I would dismiss the uh, religiosity of progressivism, I would likewise dismiss the uh, shedding of blood for uh, you know certain religious differences. That uh, in retrospect, I don't really see the point in uh, doing. I don't know. Like I wouldn't say either of those things are things that I would really appreciate. I think it's important to find the balance here where you aren't led to killing somebody just because they disagree with you on certain, let's say, uh, matters of uh, revelation. Well, it just depends on what those matters are, right? Like what if what if their revelation is, you know, we should, you know, uh, burn our kids alive in a brass bowl? 
Oh, of like, course. I mean, that's yeah, yeah that's... but that's different than Catholics versus Protestants. Last time I checked, and those had a lot of deaths on their hands when it's it not came really, to, uh... Lev. I mean, if if you believe that, the never mind. I'm just gonna go into. But the other thing, the other thing here is that when it comes to people turning away from religion, and I want to bring this back to average centrist, when it comes to people turning away from the religion that they were born into, I suspect that some of it may also have to do with hypocrisy. Where oh, yes, yeah. if there was a bal- if there was a balance of let's say somebody encouraging less cigarette smoking or any of these things, like you got to be more Christ-like, and at the same time they were going out and helping the poor and helping the lepers or whatever, and just doing something that made them a model to follow, that would be one thing. But instead, I think that because we're living in this very performative culture, there's a lot of people on the trad side who are a bunch of hypocrites who love talking about how Christian they are for the sake of getting uh, views and likes. Meanwhile, I'm not really sure how many Christian things they end up doing on a daily basis in comparison. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, Average Centrist, can you speak a little bit uh, on mean, that point? You're, you're, you're spot on. I mean, it is pretty much, that is a huge part of it. Um, and, and just fundamentally, that is one of the major things that Jesus would speak about. Like the biggest thing was to point out the hypocrites, largely the Pharisees. But like... Um, you know, but like, yeah, yeah. So I think that is a big part of it. I think people see these kinds of inconsistencies and it just puts them off. And at the end of the day, we're trying to figure out like what's actually worth worth the time. Like, is it worth going after people for swearing and smoking or whatever? Or is it more worth going after people for actually living to their convictions and actually doing the right thing in the right moment at the right time? You know, mm-hmm. like that's that's to me is what should be more uh, that should be given greater gravitas. Yeah, well, for, in the Mormon Church, it felt like they would be very picky with you for like the little tiny things all the time. Well, no, Lev. Like what I previously was going to say, someone said, "Get into it, Geo, for fuck's sakes." Um, well, the problem is that okay, so the Protestants versus Catholics. When you okay, so when you have a radical transformation in the way that the Word of God is not just distributed among people, but challenging the very root of authority as we believe set out by St. Peter in the church, then that's grounds for upending so many different functions of not just society, but the spiritual state of a peop- of various peoples throughout Europe and throughout the world in general. That's why the Protestant versus Catholic thing led to such vicious and bloody wars, because you're essentially arguing how we even experience the nature of Christ to begin with, so I don't know. That's you, probably... you can't you can't agree to disagree. I mean, how many? No, how many, Lev, no, no. How no. much? Uh, how much blood shed is going to be worth it for? Uh, let's say that side. To morality, that to morality yeah. proves love. That's no. I mean, what, what I there mean we is, go. That's what it comes down. No, to. but what I mean well, is that well, they're well, under... ultimately. No, sorry. Go ahead. Ultimately, so so it's a it's a coordination problem. Right. Hmm. Like the, it's not as though the, it's not as though. So so you're let's say you're Catholic in 16, whatever. And your uh, your feudal lord, whoever he is, decides we're going to be Protestant now. Um, it's not as though he's looking to, like, extend any sort of like toleration. That all came later. That all that all was worked out after all this bloodshed. Right. And so it's like. 
uh, you're 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 counting on your enemy to extend the same level of sort of toleration that you're expected to extend, and that that equilibrium was extremely hard won. And uh, I mean, it took yeah, it took just oceans of blood to, to make that happen. So like, right. for, and, and like you yeah, it's easy for us on the outside of that to be like yeah, should there have been this unbelievable bloodshed like no obviously but like from there's not there's not a path from inside that system to that outcome like it it, it's a coordination problem it's moloch basically sure no i see exactly what it's the same thing with 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 islam right like i mean when it came to when charles martel expelled the moors right like it's can, oh, we can ad- agree to disagree. I mean, I know you want to take over a civilization, but it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like. No, but the I reason guess. why. No, but Gio, the reason I'm, why. Listen, I have nothing the, against Muslims, though. I am actually very sympathetic to Islam nowadays, but that's neither here nor there. But that, well, then why, why, why don't you go to Afghanistan and join the uh, join the Moodish. Mood- listen, uh, she, you know that fan art that VDR made for me? I yes. would be I would be like that fat Taliban. uh Lead that the one guy they had in the 80s. I, I will wear the the sword and everything. Good. Like we're gonna like, we gotta get you. Like we in gotta that get movie, you. The Beast. Remember that movie, Lev? Yeah. Well, look with the way movie. with the way that Canada's going, we could probably get a ticket for you to fly over there and make oh, this yeah. dream a reality. But anyway, getting back to what I was talking about earlier, we could see similar things as far as judging various systems of government that existed back in the day. If we're talking about the way things were done in ancient Greece, the way that things were done in Rome, we can say like those were the best things possible during that time with the level that people were at i wouldn't necessarily say though that uh we would want to adopt the same ways of being that i think more people on the trad side of twitter are uh, seeing as a panacea for the problems of uh, modernity when we look back there like you you can't go back yeah for the same reason for the same reason they couldn't just institute uh you know sort of current european religious toleration which essentially is just atheism no but but i'd say more i wouldn't say that not only can we not go back but we actually can go back but what ends up happening when we go back would be let's say what happened in the mid-20th century when various uh places went back towards this more ruthfulness way of being when you couple that with modern tech what that equals is way more deaths than you would otherwise experience so it's almost like you're not you're not exactly correct we could go back like we could go back to more of this authoritarian type of system but we should be aware of what a exactly is going to be going hand in hand with that kind of system that may not have even been at the same level you know centuries ago i mean when you're talking about going back it's like you're referring to like it's a hugely multi-dimensional thing to talk about yeah like what are we are we talking about it being authoritarian are we just talking about people actually believing in their religion what are we like are we talking about well we're specifically uh, talking about not not people Not okay, so just so I'm a little bit clearer in what I'm talking about here, I'm not talking about people 
all of a sudden agreeing unilaterally we're all going to believe in these much more traditional ways of life. What I'm specifically talking about here is these ways of life being imposed by the kind of force that would have been considered commonplace centuries ago. Just so I'm a little bit more clear what I'm talking about, which is why I'm bringing up the examples of things that have occurred in the early mid-20th century where that kind of imposition of force was much more prevalent than it is today. We could say that today there's more of an insidious, like more of a quieter type of force through various governmental propaganda that we saw like in the New York City subway. Gio, have you seen that Asian lady who was yeah. getting rid of those uh, okay uh, Cupid ads? God bless so, her. Yeah, so that's more of the that's more of this insidious source, but I wouldn't equate that with the kind of force that was seen in the mid twentieth century either. So that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out here. Like, if we don't go back to that, you know, to that authoritarian rule, then the question is, how exactly would people structure their society so that it doesn't fall apart? I'm kind of looking at the Mormons as being one possible example of how certain traditional things can be maintained, well, and while at the same time, yeah. Fundamentally, I mean, that's that's the the, the, the challenge. Um, that's the challenge behind like, if if you everybody has things that they disapprove of, right? Um, going back to what we were talking about with with sort of uh, disapproval for swearing or whatever, like like for, like first of all, uh, if if someone is doing. Uh, all those good things that would sort of justify them going after you for swearing, like, right. Then they wouldn't be a hypocrite if they were, if they were helping the poor, you're not supposed to see that. Like Jesus also said, don't show people that you're doing that stuff. So like yeah, there, there's not, there's not an outside view where you're going to be able to say that Christian is, is, is uh, sufficiently righteous to, to well, be, it, that's be not exactly what he meant, though. He meant like, don't aggrandize yourself with it. Like, don't do it for the views. Basically, well, don't don't let your right hand. You can be viewed doing know. something good. Like Jesus was mm. viewed doing good things. That wasn't the same. It wasn't. But he it's wasn't but, doing it for the views. As, as but it's also different to say that people shouldn't aggrandize themselves from being seen as these paragons of virtue for mm. the sake of being seen like that. That's different, though then if we have a situation where not only are people not being seen doing it, but they're not even doing it. And which well, one is well, it? But, well, it's the thing is you don't know which one it is. You don't get to know. Like that's Are you sure? The, are are you sure you can't of, get to know? Then the you're problem... just basically saying the whole thing is a sham. Like, what's no, the point? No, what's the point no, I'm saying rituals? wait, you don't get to know what. I'm saying, what. I'm saying your responsibility to not judge is just as intense and just as incumbent upon you as everybody else's responsibility to not judge. Okay, yeah. And, sure. the, and the assessment of that person's not a good enough Christian to tell me what to do, that's a judgment. But my concern is not even so much about the judging. Let's say nobody judges, and let's say you have two parallel societies. One society where people are, you know, behind the scenes doing a lot of this stuff to help out people, and another society where they're not doing it. Do you think that the experience of people, and let's say in both cases, it's not like, in both cases, they're not explicitly uh, showing off that they're doing it, and in both cases, you would have somebody like Average Centrist who would either, like in one case, be aware that, uh, you know, something's uh, not right here. Would, that, say, would, that, would say, that be possible? I will say, and this is, again, this is really hard to talk about. I, nobody at age 15 knows what's going on with the adults in their lives. 
Nobody does. And, 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 and where they're really at psychologically and, and all of the intricacies of who they're helping or not helping. I mean, nobody, there's just no visibility on it at that age. Mm. And so like, I'm not trying to like just discount what he's mm. saying. I'm well, just, well, like, for, for, forget a, it. A, I think sure. we're getting caught in the weeds here. Well, we no, to, no, no, no. I'm going I mean, to. I, just, I think it's one of them things yeah. where I lived in the church. Like, I went to seminary. I did all those things from a really young age. Like you came into it a lot later from like a casual perspective. Like, I don't know, like, it just, it just feels like I, I knew those families quite well, actually. We'd go around their houses quite a lot. I knew the ins and outs of the family problems and stuff like that. So I'm sorry, I'm not having you just kind of coming in saying like, oh, I don't know shit because I was 15. I'm sorry, mate, but that's actually kind of bullshit. So like, don't, don't do that. <laughs> well, no, no, but I mean, like, regardless of whether it's 15 or not 15, the question that I have for JCB is, would you say that there is a way that society can kind of tell in the back of its head whether or not the leaders and the pillars of the community or whatever, whether they are living up to, you know, their uh, responsibility here, whether they're living up to being, you know, good examples, even if they don't make a show of it. Is there any way do you think that people are still able to tell whether or not they have a healthy leadership going on or not? I mean, so fundamentally, there's, there's, you, you can know people by their fruits. That's true. Um, and, and, but, but ultimately you don't get to the, the type of judgment that that would require to like, and that's, that's fundamentally why, why we had the, the sort of the heresy of Donatism in the early church is they were saying like, um, the priests aren't, aren't, uh, uh, sort of morally capable of, of, of performing valid ordinances. And um, you just don't, you just don't have visibility. You just don't get to make those kinds of judgments of other people, like, because you can't know. And, and, you know, I think, I think in, in, in large, in, in the macro view, right. What would you be able to tell a society where there was more of that going on than a society where there was less of that going on? Yes, absolutely. And you can look at that in terms of, uh, the, the sort of just the, the, the functionality and the social cohesion. And I think that's what you see in the church is that there's, there's people who um, people. So I, I just know dozens of people who have run into problems and who have quietly gone to people in the ward and who have been helped. And it's, and again, it's like, you know, to talk about individual experiences, it's sort of like, how many, how many people do you have to meet before you can like say, oh, I know what this 15 million people organization is like for good or bad, right? Like, like suppose, suppose uh, every Satanist I meet just happens to be like a super solid guy and really fun to hang out with. Like, does that, does that tell me anything about Satanism? I, I think yeah, what, you know, like, yeah, I think what Bennett means is that, not to put words in your mouth, but it seems to me that when it comes to Christianity specifically, now we can debate whether Mormonism falls under that. I mean, some people should we do. though? Would we though? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, maybe. we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> we talk about theology, but what I I think what you mean is that when it not to discredit individual experiences, but rather for some reason this is like particularly American, like starting in the late nineties, twenty 
2010s cultural fixation with like the experiences people have like experiences young like teens have of like christian sex like the fucking jesus camp thing or like this even in europe i think has this like oh my god the magdalena houses in ireland like yeah what were those pregnant women going to do without them right but anyways my point being is that i think what you what bennett means is that you can't judge is that when you are in a particular mindset as a young adult and you're experiencing faith, but you're experiencing the greater world telling you that not only all of this is bullshit, but all of this is evil because it restricts my ability to come. Then that's when a lot of the perception that you have, because let's face it, the modern like liberal theology is like this. It's spring of eternal youth where we have to limit people's obligation to live in a perpetual state of adolescence forever right? That cusp between adulthood and between childhood. That's like that sweet spot of like the worship of, you know. So when it comes to the discourse around Christianity, especially certain fundamentalist Christian sects, um, it's like you have this weird, especially American thing of like the young people expose the evil, terrible Christian, you know. I think that's the problem that people have. Because the media especially concocts this picture well, of various Christian groups well, Gio, through the lens of the teenager specifically. Well, Gio, you specifically mentioned sexuality, and I want to ask average centrist this. No, like, Christian uh, sex, I mean like denomination. But yeah, no, 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 yeah, but you also talked about sexuality. Sex. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Billy to coon, yeah. Yes, exactly. So when it comes to sex, would you say that that was anything that influenced your uh, turning away from Mormonism as well or not so much? Uh, not, not quite so much, to be fully honest with you. Like, and, and this isn't really what I was talking about either. I think we've kind of muddled the conversation a little bit here. My, my main gripe with the hypocrisy side of it was that the whole point was to be like a kind of open and welcoming church, but it seemed to be very insular and very judgmental of the outside world. That was more of what I was trying to get at. So hmm. just to clear that up, that point up. But and, to- and, and specifically, just so we're aware, which elements, because when you're talking about that, I think none of us are going to be, uh, you know, putting up the banner saying refugees welcome and let in a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, uh, military age men into our country with a completely different culture. That it's, would be a very yeah, extreme Britain way is also of welcoming. Even more post-Christian which, than America. Sure. It's fundamentally the same question. It's fundamentally well, the same question. Mm-hmm. How, how, how much... Yeah, there, there is a tension between welcoming people and welcoming the culture that they bring. So as far yeah, as the welp- welcoming that average centrist you're talking about, can you define it a little bit better? Because it's... I, I meant in the sense yeah. of just, like, obviously not being a completely brain-dead person and naive and just letting any old motherfucker into your church. I mean, I'm talking about, like, recent converts, like, people who they've kind of, you know, been with, or even just people who are doing service for whatever, like, sometimes to do public service stuff. Like, um, all people at work, people would share stories about people they work with and stuff like that and how they can't talk or interact with people because of the language they use, blah, blah, blah. Stuff like that. Like, it would just be like a lot of things come in together where they would always be choosing to remain an insular kind of echo chamber of themselves rather than trying to... um, And like some of the only exportation of the religion was through the missionary side of it. Um, So, yeah, it's just... That to me was what seemed like where the hypocrisy was coming in, because mm. it just seemed to me like the whole point was to 
be kind of out there with it, kind of be accepting of people, try to engage with people and stuff like that, whereas they always seem to want to be really closed off. And again, that's my experience from the UK, but I don't know what it's like. Maybe they're just really all mm. for it over there. I don't well, know. You, the UK, from what I understand, it is more of a class-based society like there's more of a recognition of working class and so on would you say then that the mormon church in the uk wanted there to be more of a prevalence of upper class people as opposed to working class would that be a good way of defining it or no Uh, i don't know exactly a hundred percent because if you were a little brown noser like you could easily get in with them as well i mean i don't know if it's always just to do with the class but i think it's just that working class people tended to be a little less formal with it all you know like they're mm. just a little less inclined to go oh i need to be prim and proper with every single thing that i do and be the perfect mormon you know like they just weren't as inclined to that uh, so well, i think that was the thing well that's an interesting thing we brought up and i don't want to dwell on this too much but when you're talking about brown nosing this is mm. i think a concern that we are seeing with the uh, social justice culture mm. here in the, the uh, coastal cities as well mm-hmm. and pretty much everywhere in the united states where it's not like people have these views sometimes they do of course but a lot of times i think that people try to adopt a certain kind of identity in order to fit in and they're not going to question certain things that are being brought up so i would argue let's say on behalf of average centrist here that maybe in um mormon or any other like organized religious circles it would be very much prevalent that adults would intentionally for the sake of their own gain uh not criticize certain people who are higher up in the uh in the hierarchy and that way they are going to be the ones that are getting favored so it's not even a matter of we are going to uphold more of a jesus-like christian uh perspective we are going to just be uh you know uh leaning on the patronage of whoever is above us and that kind of idolizes the uh the human leaders here as opposed to uh you know going with jesus so i don't know like jcb would you give any credence to that idea that that may be something that, and I'm not saying that this is only in Mormonism by any means, and again, average centrist perspective is specifically with the UK, but I would say that this may be something that is prevalent in modern day organized religions as well as any organized structure in general. This kind of tendency to patronize and brown nose the uh, people who are higher up the chain. I mean, I'm not sure I understand. Like, do, do people do that? Yeah. More so than they used to, because maybe not. Maybe this is something so that's always they, been... Well, so so more so than they used to with respect to, like, the internal hierarchy or more so with respect to, like, the institutions of of sort of the corporate world and, and, and the state. Because that's what I see. I mean, I, I see essentially... Um, w- when I see people sort of trying to defend... So, like, I'll give you an example. Um my my wife had a she was 16 or something and she, she was not active in the church and she had like a blue mohawk and she came into some young women's meeting and the the lady in charge was like this real harpy to her and was and was really nasty and was like you can't come in with that mohawk you're gonna go wash it out and she's like it's it's glue i can't wash it out in the in the church's bathroom or sink you know and um and i i 
I looked at that, you know, when we were, when we were first married and I was a hundred percent like that's bullshit. That's, you know, everybody should be welcome. And, and, and I still believe that I still believe that. I also have, now that I have kids, I also have some compassion for a mom who's like trying to keep her baby safe in this like hell world where everybody's trying to destroy your kids. And so like, uh, I do, I think she was wrong to do that. hundred percent. She was wrong to do that. Do I understand what motivated her to do that? Yes. And so like it, it's, again, it's not a simple problem. It's complicated. It's interesting. Like a uh, average centrist, what would you say to that? Cause there should be, I think, certain standards that are set, certain cultural standards that people can abide by. So what would you say would be a good balance between having the sense of forgiveness and welcomeness while at the same time allowing for certain structures to, you know, follow certain things that kind of uh, keep people all on the same page and do protect people from going down the wrong path, let's say? Well... It, having that understanding that JCB said, sorry, I'm still coming through. Okay. Uh, yes. Turn yeah. the mic off for a second. Okay. Yeah. So um, I, having that understanding that JCB just mentioned of like understand the motivation behind the mom, the mother, like kind of being a bit thingy with, um, with his wife. Like, I, I do think that like, to me, it's just having that understanding. That's what the church I felt was lacking. Uh, was having that understanding of other people and what they're about, like what may be motivating them to have a blue mohawk or whatever, or why somebody might be a bit afraid of something or whatever. Like to me, it was just the idea of openness to understanding. I didn't, I didn't see a lot of that growing up personally. Like that's just my take of it. Um, like I'm not saying it doesn't exist at all, by the way, hmm. it's just a more general perspective. Like there was obviously people in the church that i respected a lot and there was good people in there, people doing what they should be doing, people who were a bit more understanding, who weren't going to completely chastise you if you're doing the right or wrong thing or whatever, you know, and people who had a, good, a better idea of repentance as well. Like um, like some people see repentance as just like, oh, you pray to God for a bit and act like you're sorry, but then, you know, you just go on doing what you were going to do, Where versus people who really take responsibility for stuff that's happened to them and, um you know, actually fulfilling that repentance in a deeper way. Um, so, yeah, I can't remember what point I was actually trying to get to. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's, I think just to, yeah, to, to conclude it, I just think, yeah, it was just more the understanding part. Like, I think JCB has that understanding, though, by the way. So I don't want to, like, have a go, because I think JCB is actually a good example of a Mormon, by the way. Um, but, like... Uh, it, well, but it's, I guess, I guess what I would, I, what I would say is just that, like, and, and, you know, maybe this is a sideshow because it just has nothing really to, to do with like whether or not the, the claims of the church are true. Right. Like it's, it's not like, you know, because you've, you've had your experience, uh, which I really I honestly didn't mean to invalidate. And, and I, you know, I've, I've had a different experience, as you pointed out. Mm -hmm. um, and and like that's not like that's not how how you determine whether or not it's true right like it, i don't know yeah does yeah. that make sense no because mm. I, I wasn't trying to make claims about whether the church was true or not it was just my reasons for leaving that was that was the question it was asked to me so oh, okay yeah okay. uh, just that's why i gave the answer okay which that's important because those are different questions mm-hmm 
Well, in general, when it comes to how people are looking at anybody today with any modicum of responsibility, even though I guess it is easier to look at the past and say, well, back in those days, things were better. But again, it does seem like looking at all the various leaders that have existed in the uh, 20th century and before, we do look at all these big people with all these lofty ideals and compare that to that recent interview that Biden had with uh, Boris Johnson, where the moment that the British press tried to ask, uh, I mean, average centrist, you saw this as well, right? The moment the uh, British press tried to ask any question to uh, Biden, then all of a sudden it's like these nannies started coming into the room and just saying, like, okay, interview's over, everybody out. <laughs> really? And it's just just like a bunch of chickens running around. Like, I don't know, Geo, did you see that? Sundown uh... time. Yeah, Wait, did you what? guys see this? So there was an interview with Joe Biden and um, uh, Boris Johnson. Well, a sit-down that they had there. Right. And as soon as the British press tried down. asking... Yeah, tried... Yeah, I was watching too many Sopranos episodes, Geo. Cut me some slack. But uh, as soon as there was uh, questions from the British press... All of a sudden, the handlers started running around, you know, like with chickens with their heads handlers. cut off. Yes, American, yeah, American handlers, and they just got into this panic. It's like everybody leave, everybody leave. And it's like this is leadership. Is, like you compare what was that the to question. What was the question? Well, the question is, can we make a fair comparison between the leaders that we had back in the old days? And I do think that if we can then it may trickle down to not no, just Mormon the, leadership. The one that but, they and, were being asked. Oh, like, I, I don't know. They didn't even get a chance to oh, ask. Like, I couldn't even hear it. But the idea here is like, yeah, how much how much does that energy trickle down to the local leadership communities, even for groups that are, let's say, much hardier in nature, I assume, like the Mormons? You know what I mean? Because that, I think, talks more about this general sense of malaise that people are feeling right now, where they assume that people back in the day had more of a sense of leadership, and uh, now everybody's just kind of in more of a fallen state than they were before. So I don't know, JCB, what do you, what do you think regarding just that, that overall malaise that people may be feeling i mean like connecting connecting the leadership of the church to biden is kind of an exotic construction that i haven't really uh, uh <laughs> that i haven't really drawn before uh i mean i i would say i mean honestly no i i, I don't think it's related but i, I think um, no, it's, I, it's, sim but, it's similar, for example, to how even though there are more people who may go to professional gyms, at the same time, we could say that there are a lot more people who are obese in the United States. Same thing, you could say a lot more people listen to shitty pop music than they used to before. So in that way, like people may look at certain, let's say, a, a lowering of certain standards. And I'm curious if that also yeah, ends up going into. No, yeah, I, I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's that I, I think it's there's a disintegration of the culture at, like, cause I don't think actually that more people listen to shitty pop music than they used to. I think, I think pretty much everybody listened to shitty pop music uh, back in the day. And now there's like a lot of people who do that. And there's all kinds of other weird subgroups. And I don't think any of those subcultures existed. And I, I think that's what's happening is you're seeing. And, and that's even true uh, of our little group of, of guys on, on Twitter. Like, um, it would have been pretty unthinkable for conservative sort of conservatives, the wrong word, but right-wing members of the church to um, kind of go off and do their own thing. Not like do their own thing, like, like uh, 
anything apostate or heretical, but just to take their own initiative and like create something uh, sort of on their own recognizance. And um, I, I think you're seeing a lot more of that. Like, like, mm. yes, there is an extent to which um, old institutions are collapsing. Um, I, I don't see that happening. I, I see a lot of people bailing and on the church and, and, and what's interesting about that from, from our perspective is you don't, you don't like, you don't want them to leave, but you also don't want to have to fight about everything all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think probably Catholics can empathize with that. Like, like if, if you're, if you're not able to have basic conversations about the fundamental principles of the gospel, because you know that like 50% of the room just virulently disagrees with you about like everything, then it's like, you, you just can't, you can't have the same community, the same cohesion that you want. And so it's like all these people who sort of complain about it. It's like, well, then, then find something that works for you, man. Like go, go, go. like there's, there's, well, that, that's what options. you're doing. Uh, that's what you're doing with exit, right? That's kind of the whole point that uh, I think actually speaks to exactly that weird comparison I did with uh, Biden and the Mormon church. Cause here you have people like yourself, like you're, making how much like seven thousand something dollars with the patreon to fund uh the uh, exit project that you're doing right now you've got a lot of patrons on board and i think that actually speaks to this need that people are feeling not just within your community but within let's say what uh what we're doing here with btr what other people are doing where they are kind of exiting more from what would have been a mainstream path because i i think that people have this inherent sense that a lot of these more mainstream organizations that they are just getting turned to stone, that they are just getting, yeah. you know, more languid. That's why I was talking about the obesity stuff and the pop music, not necessarily to mean that everybody is listening to it, but in general, the more mainstream institutions seem to just be turning more into these dinosaurs, more into these things that just start decaying over time and how new things have to be well, uh, and I, born I, from there. I see the church as an alternative to that. I, I see the church as, as something that is sort of uh, a, a torch that's lit against that. Um, but yeah, with, with, with exit, what I'm finding is that almost everybody that I talk to, it's sort of like, uh, you know, they, they, they can, they can sort of trace. Hello. Here we go. Really this was, oh, there we go. Yeah. You're going to cut out a bit. And I think it's still being cut out right now. So, uh, JCB, make sure Uh-oh. you get to somewhere. No, now I hear you again. Can you speak? Yes, yes. All right, perfect, perfect. So you can trace the, the collapse of the Roman Empire by, like, the pottery because the pottery starts to suck. Like, people can't get, like, the exports from, you know, wherever they're getting their nice Roman pottery. It's they start having to build their own, and it's garbage for a while. And um, I think we're in a similar place with, with homeschool, with food production, everybody's like, I know that I can't produce um, eggs or beef as cheaply or as efficiently as the, the big farms can, but I have to get away from it because the, 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 what they're doing is so horrific and, and gross. Or uh, with homeschool, like uh, it's gonna be a real pain in the ass to have to uh, try to figure out how to teach um, but it can't be worse than what we've got at the schools. So I'm going to go try to do it myself. Definitely. And, um, 
and yeah, with this, with this, uh, with, with the career thing, the professional thing that I'm attacking and we do, we do like homesteading stuff and homeschool stuff too, but like primarily it's about like people's, people's work experience is getting both so spiritually just soul sucking and so sort of ideologically unsustainable. That they're having to find alternatives. They're having to find a way out. And that's, that's sort of the purpose of the group is to, is to work together to build uh, Once again, I think the internet may be out right now. JCB, make sure you get somewhere with a better connection. I'm going to use this chance. Everybody subscribe right now who is listening to this. We got to get the subscriptions up. All you Mormons who have come here from JCB, watch BTR. We've got a lot of great shows. We actually had a Mormon episode before uh, with uh, the uh, pr uh, president of the Mormon Transhumanist Association. So that was, a uh, that was I believe, JCB, you were also on that one as well. But, I think I uh, lurked. There we go. You are back, baby. Speak. <laughs> I think I missed that one. That was really that was a good one. Lincoln Cannon. I'll, I'll send the link to that over here in the chat in a bit. But, he turned uh, out to be he turned out to be more interesting than I thought he was going to be. Yeah, he's a good guy. I mean, that is like despite any criticisms of, criticisms I may have, I would say that the Mormon Church here in the United States seems to be doing a better job of being like self sufficient and stuff like that, and uh, you know more level headed than I think a lot of different uh, organized uh, religious organizations. So I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely not opposed to uh, what is happening in that sphere. But I wanted to ask you, uh, just so we don't forget about that, I was having a conversation with Average Centrist before on that, uh, that whole uh, doxing article that uh, went out, and I really liked Average Centrist's reply. So uh, uh, you wrote over here, Okay, I got uh, halfway through and realized that this is obviously a sham of an article and reads like a middle-class fantasy. When I saw his mission was in Memphis and then saw the quote about corpses, I know exactly what he's talking about. You can't help people that won't help themselves and it's tragic to watch them as they go about knowing they may likely die because of their lifestyle and choices. Whoever wrote this has a very ignorant point of view, very sheltered. So I'm curious, like, what is this mission to Memphis that was uh, mentioned here? Uh, can you speak a little bit about that? Uh, me or average centrist? Uh, you. Oh, okay, you, were yeah, one, so, you were the one who were there. Right. Yeah. So, so, um, yeah, it was, it's, so everybody, every, every, uh, young man who, uh, is, is sort of physically and, and mentally able, um, is called to serve a two year proselyting mission somewhere in the world. And about half go stateside, about half go overseas. And, uh, my assignment was actually Little Rock, Arkansas, but but a big piece of that mission is the, the Memphis area. And I was there for 18 months and um, yeah, just a really educational uh, experience because I, I went in with very like blank slate. Like you just have to expose people to the thing that I find so beautiful and they'll just, they'll just accept it and change their lives. And that'll be wonderful. And um, you run into pretty quickly, you run into the fact that like, uh, not only is it difficult to like get people to, to just show up, but like th they, we put a lot of emphasis on getting people to read the book of Mormon. And, and I would say probably 80% of the people that I contacted were like, just not able to read at that level, like just couldn't. And, 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 and so, you know, 
in hindsight, I should have been much more like flexible and responsive to that. But instead I just sort of kept banging away at it, like trying to get him to read, trying to, trying to like sit through it while they, while they sort of tried to sound it out. And, and that's not, you know, that's not any kind of uh, criticism of them. You know, that's, that's on me that I was just dumb and, and, um, and trying to fit a square peg into a round hole and, and just fundamentally like watching people, watching people who are on food stamps and, and, but they've got like a $500 phone bill because somebody just talked them into it. And like the, the, the realization that I had sort of after the fact was that there's huge swaths of this country who like, you're not going to make them understand how a mortgage works or, or how their 401k works or like, or like, or, 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 or get them savvy enough to like not get, totally destroyed by a car salesman or a phone salesman. And like the, the, basically just the, the culture is built around a cognitive level. That's just not there for maybe 30% of the population. And, and so um, that really was transformative for me as far as like, first of all, just having compassion on people. And like, it's not like, they're not there because they're lazy um, or, or because they're, you know, uh, well, it is because they make bad decisions, but they're not like making bad decisions because they're immoral. They're making bad decisions because like they don't have like the, the hardware to make the right decisions in these mm. situations. Although I would say that when we're talking about the hardware, I would never say that this is a uh, one and done type of deal. Like I always talk about how, uh, you know, badly in terms of their uh, state of mind the uh, russian serfs were while at the same time i point out there being people like anton chekhov who was from a serf family who nonetheless uh, ended up becoming a brilliant writer oh yeah so, you don't know yeah. you don't know you don't know just by looking mm. at someone or, or approaching yeah. someone uh you know that that yeah where they're gonna fit it's just the realization over time you start to notice this pattern of like there's a lot of people who really 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 struggle and they struggle for like reasons that are not obvious and not easy to fix well when it comes to not easy to fix i mean i do look at schooling that we have today as being incredibly substandard and i am kind of curious if they were to let's say have lived somewhere in europe or whatever do you think that it sometimes it would be a matter of just if they were like from a very very young age from like three years old educated in a better way that these problems would be i wouldn't say fully solved but it would be a lot better than it is right now oh sure yeah i mean like it, ultimately uh interventions work to some extent and um like that's not it's not an excuse to it's not an excuse to not help anybody or it's not an excuse to mm -hmm. not sort of give them an opportunity it's just um, people have not grappled with the magnitude of the problem. Or even and thinking about meeting them where they're at, you know, like teaching them in ways that they can understand it and piece it together. Yes. Like, yes. you know, like how you were talking about, because um, I've obviously met a lot of more, uh, missionaries in my life and um, there is that big thing of trying to get people to, you know, read the Book of Mormon. Um, but some of the better missionaries that I knew over time, um, they would do less of the pushing the Book of Mormon stuff and just straight up teach them a, a lesson from it mm. rather, that, rather than trying to get them to read it for themselves. 
um, that kind of thing. And I thought they always did a lot better, generally speaking. And they would always come in language they would be speaking as well, rather than trying to, um, I don't know, maybe academic, how would you say the word, make it more academic. Yeah. They just they just speak about it in straight up terms. I knew certain missionaries who would just, you know, skirt the rules somewhat and be kind of just swearing, speaking in fairly, not like super duper, but like, but kind of just meeting them at a certain level to make people feel comfortable to actually receive the message in the first place. That kind of thing. I yeah, thought- and I mean, like, if you, if you had asked me at that age, at that time, was I trying to do that? I would have said yes. Mm. I ju- you know, it's just... Uh, you know, you don't know what you don't know at that age. Oh, yeah, of course. I want to get to the uh, part of Mormonism that I'm very fascinated by. As an outsider, again, I'm just uh, speak speaking out of my butt here when it comes to what exactly is going on. But I do like this idea that Mormonism takes into account not just the planet Earth, but uh, much like in Hinduism, the entire cosmos when it comes to different planets and stars and things like that. So my first question here is when it comes to uh, people becoming elders, let's say, and you're an elder, is it the case that then you have a rulership over your own planet in the, uh, you know, in the afterlife? And uh, if that is the case, would there be, let's say, certain degrees? Because I imagine that somebody who had, you know, a fairly rudimentary experience of uh, leadership, like uh, in a small position of, let's say, I don't know, um, you know, having certain clerical responsibilities here and there, I wouldn't make them the ruler of any planet. Like maybe I'd make them, you know, a uh, like lower level uh, bureaucrat or something, but I wouldn't make them the ruler. So I don't know, like when it comes to that kind of system, how exactly does that work? I, <laughs> I, I mean, um, I, I just that's just not that's just not at all the way we talk about it. And I like it's, I mean, um, <laughs> um, it, it's not so much. So here's the thing. I've never met a member of the church who is like yes, we're going to get our own planet. Like that's something that people who are outside talk about the experience. So like the, 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 the doctrine that you're referring to is theosis um, or exaltation, which is the idea that, uh, well, Romans eight, the spirit bears witness with our spirits that we're the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So, or, or revelation where it talks about, uh, you know, being, being able to sit down with Christ in his throne, even as he sat down with his father in his throne. So, you know, I, I think people who want to make fun of it, uh, impose this kind of like sci-fi, like, uh, or, or like celestial You're gonna get our planets, bro. I mean, just to be clear, I'm not just to be clear, I'm not making fun of it. I take the idea do, do, of there uh, being other I take the idea well, of there no, no, being, no, no, let's so, say, so, other yeah, other levels of responsibility. Mormons think that the VR is going to deliver us to the planets. Well, and that's why I was like not super jazzed that, to listen to that guy. Like, oh, is that that's what they believe? Well, no, 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 no. So I don't want to I don't want oh. to put words in anybody's mouth. I have heard things like that. Oh, so, damn. So I was just making that 
Hmm. Well, I'm making a deduction. Well, well here, just, just looking, just looking at Wikipedia, just looking at Wikipedia, which uh, again, that's sense. not a. I wouldn't say sense. Wikipedia is a great source, but it says over here, exaltation is a belief among members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints that mankind can reach the highest level of salvation to eternally live in God's presence, continuous families, become gods, create worlds, and have spirit children over which they will govern. Now, yeah. just so, so, yes, yes, so, so that's not. So it's it's like the the goal is to become like Heavenly Father and um, to do everything that Heavenly Father does and like the idea that there's like really nitty gritty um, like exposition about like what that means as far as it's not like it's not even a planet necessarily. I mean, theoretically, it would be. Well, they call them spheres, don't they? Well, or a cosmos, or a. Yeah, or a it just sounds or, like Gnosticism, or, though. Doesn't or a lo like... or locus. No, I mean to me, it's actually funny. Like to me, I am not looking at this in any way of like, ha ha ha, what they believe in. No, because I actually do believe that there are various stages of um, consciousness where you would be able to, let's say, have more of a control over your environment and would be able to help other, let's say, lower level beings within said environment. So right yeah, now, there's here, kind of a, there's kind of a, there's kind of a bodhisattva take. You could, you could, you know, sort of <laughs> well, well, here, like in a, this yeah. is from a, this is from the LDS website here in the uh, doctrine and covenants. It says over here in section 132, 714, the terms of con and conditions of that covenant are set forth. 1520, celestial marriage and the continuation of the family unit enable men to become gods. 2125, the straight and narrow way leads to eternal lives. So yeah, there is the actual of... section of saying become gods. And again, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. lower no, G. It's, it's not, a lower G gods. It's not a... heretical not... to my... Well, to my well, well so, hmm? so I'm not trying to get around that piece. Like, I embrace that piece. Uh, we're, we're, we're here to, to become like Heavenly Father and to inherit everything that he mm. has. But doesn't it say specifically in the Bible that... Oh, God, I'm just opening up the can of worms. <laughs> that you, you are Christ-like, you can never become Christ. Geo, just just to become God, not Christ. Yeah, just to be clear, we are not talking, we are not even talking uh, about, just to be clear, at least from my perspective here, we are not talking about the merging of the self with the infinite. We're not talking about Samadhi. What we're talking about here specifically, Geo, don't interrupt, please. Is very don't interrupt. Let me, I, I don't, I, I don't care. Let me, let me finish. No, I haven't talked so, for a while, Lev. Please. No, but I got to finish my point here with the gods with the, the lower G. The relies on me to bring my Yeah, but I got to, yeah, but I got to finish about the gods with the lower G. Gods with the lower G, uh, I see that as the same way as in Buddhism, where you would have the realm of the gods, the realm of the jealous gods. You would have different layers of reality that beating beings would be able to reside in, depending so, on one's karmic accumulation. It's so, kind of similar, actually. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, well, I mean, there, it's, it's similar to two different things in two different ways. It's similar to the concept of kingdoms of glory in the sense that we do believe that it, that heaven's not binary, that there are, you know, in my father's house are many mansions and you go to, uh, you know, the, the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. And, and, and so, uh, and Paul talks about like the seventh heaven, you know, there's, there's, there are gradations, um, but only at only so, so to become like heavenly father is is one thing 
like because if you're not if you're not um perfect without spot then you are not like god and so and so uh none of there's not like this hierarchy or this bureaucracy beneath there's 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 people who become like heavenly father and there's various other gradations of people who you know uh essentially go to heaven but it's not um it's not the experience it's not the kind of life that god lives if that makes sense um and so so yeah so so but but it's not i can't remember what what geo was talking about as far as oh it's so, okay a lowercase g there's not really a lowercase g or maybe there's not really an uppercase g like like uh, well, well there is in section 132 so specifically there, what do they imply by the lowercase g gods when they say enable men to become gods? Well, I, I don't think anything is implied by the capitalization. I mean, Isn't first it of all, to be Joseph separate Smith from the God, like God is the capital G is the God that we're talking about, whereas gods would be separate gods. Like, well, that's 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 what that's what somebody sort of looking at it, you know, from outside would would conclude, I think. But the capitalization was imposed by the printer. Like that's not something mm. that was in the original document. So, it, and I, I mean, I don't even know. I, I don't think it's mm. relevant. Like, I, I think uh, we're sort of reading more into that than mm. is there. But, but uh, the, the idea being, so we do reject. Here's what I mean by maybe there's no uppercase G. We do reject the idea of of the Platonic God. That's what I wanted to get into. Yeah. So that's kind so, of like. You were saying there is no um, Platonic or Aristotelian unmoved mover, that there is no, like, there's a God above God. Like, how does it work? Is it kind of like, there's almost like a um, Saguna Brahman, Nirguna Brahman, but it keeps going back. Like, how does it work? Like, what do you mean by that? Well, um, I don't think that we, I don't think that we, are like overly concerned with it. Like it, it, if that makes sense, it's like, it's like, uh, who was, who was heavenly father's father? Well, the answer is heavenly grandfather. Like, but they, but that's treated as like a joke. Like, like nobody like cares and, and in the church. And so like it, I think, I think part of what we embrace that maybe, um, that maybe the creeds don't embrace is the idea that things don't necessarily have to have a beginning. Um, yeah, but that, go ahead. Sorry that go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, like I, I, I get why that's a problem, but um, that's a very huge problem when it comes to Christian. Yes. I mean, I, right. I don't care. I don't I'm, know. I'm, cool. I'm cool with it. Right. So the, the idea is that, that, that things can have always existed. Things can have always been. Hmm. And, and there may not be a beginning. And I, you know, I, I, it's also possible that there is a beginning, but like, that's not, it's, it's not like super important to our theologic, to our theology to trace it back to the beginning. If that makes sense. No, I, I one thing I'll say from uh, what I was taught growing up was that uh, it's not like you're right in that it's not often spoken about, but there is an insinuation that God may not be the only God at all. However, he's the only God that's relevant to us, if that makes sense. So, so kind of like the uh, like the demiurge 
or is no, that a different? I don't know. No, um, you have to understand the concept of priesthood and the concept of stewardship. So, so um, we we believe that God is our Father, right, and we're His children. And that's not like an abstraction that we're using to articulate some other relationship. Like we believe he's actually our, our father, like your, like your dad and, and in a spiritual sense. And so um, to say, to say that like uh, there are other, like let's it's, there's only one sort of family, if that makes sense. And heavenly father probably or maybe has a father um but it's the same like it's not like there's some other separate gods who have separate rules and believe separate things and like and like are ordered totally differently it's it's a family well when you say family it would also imply at least to me a family tree it would imply let's say a branching out from the source of let's say certain other uh, still high but uh, lower powers that would have their own responsibility over various facets of existence. Would that be fair to say that something like that would work? Where, let's say, as human beings, we have a responsibility over our children. We have a responsibility over our uh, community when we have uh, you know, that kind of position in life. So I could see a similar thing working fractally with other, let's say, higher level beings that, let's say, they may not necessarily be already in the state of oneness with God, where, let's say, they may have some more work to do, but they may be doing that kind of work at uh, higher levels well we're all we're all uh participating right sure. now i sure, mean sure absolutely uh, and that's 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 i think the point is is when, when we say like there may there may be in you know in the new testament there may be gods many and lords many but to us there's one god um it's it's that it's that there's one We owe allegiance to God. That's it. And, and, and it's not, um, again, these things are, these things are like viewed as sort of academic. And so like, they're not really explored that much. So, um, so th this over here, just, uh, for, for, the, for the sake of it, I want to show this poster with the various lokas in uh, Hinduism. So these would be, let's say different realms of reality that uh, beings that are conscious of their own existence would be able to participate in, and they would have, let's say, different things to do and different responsibilities, yet all of these different realms are still just parts of the whole, which is mm -hmm. God. So that would be the example in Hinduism, and I'm not saying that it's the uh, same as uh, uh, Mormonism, but I did want to show like this comparison to kind of like what I suspect may be the case going on. But yeah, uh, I don't know. And I mean, and I, and I think... Honestly, I think most, if you were to have this conversation with like 10 sort of smart members of the church, I think what most of them would say to you is probably like, maybe that's interesting. <laughs> like, like, I don't think, like, I don't think there would be like either a yes or a like a no, absolutely not. It would sort of be like, I don't know, like maybe. I think the reason why for me it's something that's interesting is because 
I know that there are some Christians here who look at the entire, let's say, cosmos universe as just being uh, sort of decorative, and how the Earth is pretty much the uh, not only the most important thing, but the only thing that's actually real and uh, tangible, and everything else is just kind of there, you know, for, for decorative purposes. I think that that's a limiting view, which does not mean that we should all of a sudden forget about the, the Earth and just drift off into the locas and our space, but I actually think that the awareness that there are other levels of reality that may be going on, it can be something that can strengthen one's convictions here on Earth at a time where a lot of these various religions are being questioned and practices being questioned. It's like, well, you don't know what's real. So it's almost like the need to find out what's beyond would actually, to me, reinforce certain principles that are acted upon here on Earth. Okay, yeah, I can see that. And, and that's, that's uh, you know, I mean, that, that makes it interesting about sort of where's the center. Um, but I also think um, there's a, there's a sort of um, take no thought for the morrow sufficient is, is today for the evil thereof. Like, like I, I just think our people tend to be pretty practical. Like, you know, like if that makes sense, like it's, it's not, um, the, 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 the platonic model um, creates its own problems, or I think you'd call them mysteries. Um, but I, I, neither, of these, neither of these models is like without sort of weird um, open-ended pieces. Well, uh, what do yeah. you mean though? I mean, like it's pretty, like it's pretty definitive. Like in Revelation 1.8, I am the Alpha Omega, saith the Lord God who is and who was and who is mm. to come, the Almighty. Then he says, I am the giver of, um, what does it say? Uh, I'm the one who is the giver of the spring of life. I give without cost. I mean, it's pretty, I don't know. It's kind of. What does that mean to you? It's definitive that there has to be, that the Lord is the beginning, the end. You know what I mean? Of what? Like, of everything, of our, of the being of beings, of everything, our experiential reality, not just our experiential reality, but well, it's, it's like that has to be, right? you know what I mean? Like that's the premium from which everything arises. And to say that there's like a trail of infinite different gods, I mean, that's kind of, I don't well, know. <laughs> no, kinda, to be clear, no, no, Gio, uh, to be clear, what you said right now does not in any way contradict that uh, Hindu chart that I pulled up. That is still all contained no, depends, within one love. thing. It depends, though. If you're if you're going from a purely like Vedas view of it as opposed to Vedanta, and Vedanta doesn't have that sort of um, contradiction in the, in the sense that everything ultimately is the manifestation of Nirguna Brahman. Like that's. You know what I mean? Like, it depends, like, what sect of Hinduism you're talking about. But yeah. most, well, like, Proposhankara Vedanta, that's pretty much, like, what you're talking about. But that's, you know, yeah. some people well, like Sunny would disagree. Can I but give a little fun fact yes. about Revelation? Because uh, Paul wrote Revelation, right? It's, that's one of his Gone. books. John, was it? John. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was Paul. Oh, okay. John, yeah. Either way, um, John at the time, uh, there's a there's a section, there's a chapter. I'll find it because I'll, I'll post it in here somewhere. I'll find out what it is exactly because I can't remember it off the top of my head. But there's a, there's a verse, there's a couple of verses where 
he um, stops having revelation for a minute, but then an angel visits him and gives him a small parchment of paper that when he eats it will cause him to be queasy and then he'll throw up and then he'll see another grand vision. Does that not just sound like acid? <laughs> like, what, what is... Is, it, is John not taking right, acid well, in having these revelations? What's going on? That here? was the angel, I believe, that uh, the anti, the first Antichrist killed and then the people of the earth cheered on because, of course, the angel was admonishing them and giving them righteous punishment for their cooming. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, because there is this one interesting point in Revelation where when they um, talk about soothsayers... They actually translate it to people who are um, imbibing of different, like, different intoxicants. Mm. So you can include psychedelics in that. So people, yeah, yeah, people, so the way it's, so yeah, I know, I know certain, like, I know, like, John Allegro makes a huge deal Mm. about that. And the uh, burning bush being the acacia tree and all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That's no, but you why know. be why be dismissive of that know. too? If there are various things that would allow well, people like to get Zek access to, lab. it's like the fucking you know every 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 part of Christianity was just made up of ancient you know pagan gods. Like that's I don't know. No, just, I wouldn't say it was me, made it's up. Like this, like fucking pothead, like twenty ten psychedelia. Like Terrence McKenna, you know, God was a mushroom type of shit. No, but I think I think I we're know. looking at Geo. I, I don't mean to be. I used wrong. to believe something similar way back in the day, but no, but Geo, I think I think I you're looking know. at this. I think you're looking at this all wrong. Where I think you're focused too much on the psychedelic plant or LSD aspect of it. Where I'm looking at it not so much as that. Where sure you could say that psychedelics or whatever were used. I'm much more interested in the realm that allowed people I, to access as opposed to the means of accessing. <laughs> said realm you know Shin what i mean Jack. no i what i mean is that i just think that when you look at christianity as a whole then there's a lot of instances where um the church fathers are well aware of the fact that yeah fuck off matches you've been having sus takes a lot of, <laughs> i'm sorry bro i don't mean to call you out like that but um what i mean is that when you look at the, the church fathers are very well aware of these rituals and these various um you know, the Elysium mysteries and so forth. It's just that they saw that the danger in giving people what they perceived to be a path to like a free and easy going path towards the Lord, which I know Terrence McKenna had this fucking cope mm. about like, Oh, well, it's not free and easy because it drags you into hell. It's like, yeah, but compared no, G- to the no, hell Gio, I that agree our Lord with you. can give you, it's like that, that is, you know what I mean? Like he even freely admitted that, Oh, I, you know, um, Here's, I used to do the voice very well. Well, you know, meditation is bullshit because it's just too damn boring. It's like, this is my biggest problem with like neo, new age, like hipster hippies is that they have this like immediate, any, any sort of like, they'll take a Buddhist or a practitioner of Vedanta at their word for it. But when it comes specifically to Christianity, the religion of mom and dad, then they're like, oh yeah, then obviously that must be some like, sneaky peevish like he it was all just a mushroom and no, you're getting no, no. mad at it you know it's like i that's, think i just think it's I like know. when i've done, i've done a lot of psychedelics and like I think oh i it, have two in the past i'm not gonna you mm. know yeah but i just yeah. mean in the sense of like um some of the even the more spiritual and religious experiences the dominator the, ego sorry uh, <laughs> yeah but i mean but i mean it can just give you those feelings of alpha omega all that kind of stuff like right, I just think that, when, yeah. when i'm seeing when i'm seeing when i'm seeing the, those things written in revelations and stuff like that 
I'm oh, it thinking, very much the, the yeah, it's got a proper, it's a very trippy vibe to it. But like, yeah. but it just made me wonder, like, on what level is religiosity related to that kind of stuff? Mm. Um, but I'm not saying it makes it irrelevant. If anything, it could be that psychedelics are somewhat of a bridge gap between that. I don't know. Who knows? But, but going back to what JCB was talking yeah, about earlier, that in, like, what, what did yeah, you sorry. mean? Like when you yeah. were asking me. Like go like can you elaborate on Oh I don't remember. Well then well then regardless well then regardless of oh, that. What does it when mean to me? Well yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. I think like just still in a, I mean I'm not articulately well as VDR said, but it's like to me I think that that is the sort of not just in Christianity, but pretty much every wisdom tradition you can think of where they ha there has to be sort of a fundamental source from which all things emanate. And to say that, that sort, like, in other words, on a purely like ontotheological level, to say that the being of beings has in itself like a previous generative um, source, to me that's sort of like, it comes with this similar logical um, problems that, uh, I wouldn't even say Descartes, even before Descartes, before Aristotle, even the sort of infinite regression. Like it just makes sense to have um, placing your faith upon the creator of all things. And so that's at least mm. from my like basic bitch Catholic understanding of it. It's well, like, I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I do believe he's the creator of all things. Mm -hmm. But, it but I get what you're saying. It's like one of those, like, I guess, like the average Mormon probably doesn't. Hmm. Not that but they it, don't care, but it's like, you know, it's not a big, but I don't, it, uh, I don't know, bro. I'm but, but it doesn't really change. I don't think it really changes that much when it comes to what we have to do here on Earth. The one thing that I think people may be ready for, just because we have the internet, we have uh, people who are totally locked into this uh, cybernetic control system where they're constantly getting dopamine hits from the notifications, as I'm sure all of us are on Twitter. Let's not forget, we are part of Twitter. We are part of the cyborg mind, like it or not. So when it comes to escaping that, I really think that the next phase is going to be looking at not so much the psychedelics, because I actually agree with the Mormon standpoint of not having to uh, rely on crutches to, um, you know, get you through something because you should utilize your willpower more. But in general, like people already know who are watching BTR from previous episodes when it comes to like the meditation experiences I have and all that, I think that there is an astral realm, that there is another level that we can uh, get to. And I'm not as concerned so much about saying, like, is it psychedelics? Is it like all these plants? Not that. What's more important to me is where exactly did Enoch go? Where exactly did, uh, you know, Joshua go? Or, you know what I mean? Like, what is this realm that people are talking about? Like, this throne of God with, like, the eagle and the bull and all that stuff and the multi-eyed angels. What is that? What exactly are we talking okay. about there? Okay. Yeah. So, so, and this is why, this is why I started with, um, conscience, Jiminy Cricket, right? And it's not to say that stuff's not important. Um, but <clears throat> think about, think about my sheep hear my voice, right? How, how smart is a sheep? Like how, when, when we say a sheep can hear the shepherd's voice, are we saying that like 
a sheep can like get what's going on between the shepherd and his wife? Or are we saying like the sheep, the sheep knows come here and the sheep knows maybe lay down or, or like, you know what I'm saying? Like there, are, there is a simple uh, level of command that I think people, at least in the beginning are able to hear or at least discern. Like, I, th- I think, I think everybody can hear God talking to them all the time, but can they discern it? Someone said that I was talking through my nose. I've had a cold, man. Give me a break. Um, <laughs> so, so, um, so my, my point with that is like, and, and it's, it's like you're saying with, uh, with psychedelics being like a shortcut. I don't actually think they're a shortcut. It's sort of like going into the warp without a Geller field. It sort of opens you up to all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and here's the, here's the important part. It's not just that like the things you encounter over there might be scary, but like if you go on a, if you have a psychedelic experience and you see an angel, how do you know? How do you That's know? Right. Exactly. And so, and so, so what I'm getting at with this, with this, uh, Jiminy Cricket stuff is you, it's, it's not about the problem with hearing God is not being able to hear God. Cause that's what people, that's what people think they're getting when they take psychedelics. They think like, Oh, I can't hear God. But when I take the psychedelics, it opens me up and my third eye is open and I can, I can perceive things I couldn't perceive. Perception is not the problem. Discernment is the problem. And so, right. and so as you, as you obey the spirit in these very basic, very simple instructions, gradually you come to understand his voice and recognize his voice. And then it becomes easier when you hear some wild idea about um, like, like there's a story of Joseph Smith talking to one of um, the early members of the church uh, who had like a really interesting model of, of like the cosmos or something. And he was like, Hey brother, uh, you know, this seems true to me. I I feel like it's right. And, And Joseph Smith being like, well, it's really interesting. I'm sorry. It's just not true. And like, you know, it's, it's, um, again, it's a question of discernment. So, so, so people in the church, and, and this is why, why I said that like people tend to view it as sort of immature or gauche to bring this stuff up in, in, in church is because we're all trying to be at like this kindergarten level. Like I'm still really having a hard time just telling the truth all the time or just, um, or just like, you know, uh, my kid keeps uh, waking up and I keep letting my wife go get him instead of me go get him. And like, I know God's talking to me about that. And I'm not even listening on that level right now. So like the idea that I'm going to get some brainwaves about like, about like what's going on beyond Jupiter is kind of silly. Like, like, I, you know, it, it's, it's, um, it's a it really, it, it, it really depends, though, because if you look at somebody like Nikola Tesla, let's say, that is somebody who I'm sure has had various moral problems, problems with family. I mean, I don't know, maybe the guy was a saint, but at the same time, that was somebody who I believe did have access to information that other people were not as pri- privy to. So I would take, in general, people who are artists people who create certain things in life that there is an access that they would have to this other realm while at the same time it by no means implies that they are a morally upright person 
at the same time, I think that in certain circumstances, number one, both can be worked on, and number two, I do think that the realization that these things are out there would, uh, in my opinion, help a very materialistic, a very, uh, as Rudolf Steiner said, a very aramonic-centered uh, society uh, kind of uh, wake up from their certain malaise where they would actually see there being more to life than just uh, whatever it is they grew up watching on their iPad. You know what I mean? Yeah, I actually, just to add on to that, like part of the reason why I even came back to spirituality and came back to Christ and stuff like that and looking at those teachings was because of my psychedelic experiences. Like I was way more hardcore atheist before that. And it isn't that it gave me mind waves into what's past Jupiter. It's more like, it gave me a realization that there's a deeper spiritual element to the world that I have been ignoring for a long time. So I think that Lev, you're kind of right. Like it can open people up. It can, you know, open their eyes to the idea that's, that, well, not not even just psychedelics, but just meditation in general, <laughs> just being able to go within for a bit. But I would yeah. say the, the one yeah. thing that would separate me from somebody, let's say I went to Catholic school, I even went to Russian Orthodox school before that. What I would personally say regarding the element of faith, why I can't really put myself into that category is with the Jiminy Cricket example that you brought up, I think that's a great example, because let's say you would have certain DMT entities or whatever that would try to, at least in this uh, forum post that I read from this horror story this dude experienced, that would try to convince him that he's the new messiah and just like all this crazy stuff, and then they end up screwing with him, locking him up into an interdimensional prison for several years. But uh, that is a bad example of what could happen when you meet certain entities that you think are one thing and are another, using the Jiminy Cricket example of what would be morally right to do, I think that's a good way of seeing through a lot of the bullshit. But at the same time, what I would add regarding the uh, faith element is, I still don't know, looking back into our history, whether we're talking about Joseph Smith or whether we're talking about the uh, New Testament, Old Testament, all the visions of Ezekiel, all these various things, including the pillar of fire and smoke, what I don't know here is not that the messages that were transmitted were bad messages as far as all the, all the good that was contained in them that we still practice to this day. What I am not convinced, though, was who are the disseminators of the message? Because if there is somebody, let's say you, JCB, in another life were to go to a primitive planet and uh, expound the virtues of a specific thing, then maybe they could play a game of telephone and before you know it, they are going to be building statues for you saying you are God. Meanwhile, you are just somebody who was the messenger of particular information. So I'm not really sure who these beings were that uh, expounded the information that we currently have today as human beings, but I wouldn't necessarily say that those particular uh, beings, that they were, you know, the God, or they were the angels of the God. I don't know. Maybe they were, but I'm much more fuzzier when it comes to that part of it. Well, and that's, I, I think that that's fundamental to, like, the idea that you're going to get these truths just by reading books. Like, like, um... You, you do have to experience things for yourself. And, and, you know, I don't mean to like, I don't mean to, to denigrate um, ecstatic experience or open vision. I mean, those are things that I've experienced. I've had, I've had, I've had uh, eyes wide open visions and I've, and I've dreamed dreams and it wasn't, you know, on drugs and, and um, those things are real. 
and they matter and you, and you, you have to pay attention to them. You're obligated to pay attention to them. Um, it's more of like an obsession with those experiences as they happen to other people can, can sometimes get in the way of um, your own development in that direction. Can you uh, elaborate a little bit on that? Well, it just, it, it just, it can keep you from kind of the blocking attack, keep, keep you from kind of the, the basics and, um, and, you know, it, it can give you sort of, it can give a lot of people the impression that religious experience is something alien. It's something that comes from outside that they're not going to, that's going to be deeply unfamiliar to them. And it's like, no, God's been talking to you your whole life. And, and, and it's the water you're swimming in. And so you, like you, you don't need, you should not be waiting for an ecstatic vision. You should not be waiting for a, an audible voice in your head. You should be, you know, praying and reading the scriptures and trying to do what's right and experiencing God in that, in that, that sort of, uh, humble sense and let that develop. I agree with you. Like the way that I would phrase it, though, for me personally, is the various things that I do, let's say, when it comes to going within, it's not something that only affects me in that particular state. It's something that ends up affecting me afterwards, changing the way that I would look at the entire world, like everything around me, my family, sure. the people in my life. So it's almost like you take certain things that you learn, whether it's from scripture or from meditation, and if it doesn't change the way that you live in this world, then what's the point? Because like this whole thing where we are right now, I think that every single thing we do, every single thing we think even, I think all of that matters. Because either nothing matters or everything matters. And if everything matters, then, uh, th well, that's what I'm leaning on. Mm. What do you think, Gio? About what? Do you think, do you think everything matters? Everything we do has a certain you know, has a certain, even if very small, tangible effect on what goes on. In a sense. But then again, I mean, I know the Orthodox, they have this um, concept, I forget what it's called, where you try your best, like, not to um, purposefully seek out mystical experiences because, like, it's up to God to, like, meet you at a certain way. And to go beyond it is sort of like entering off into like kind of like suspicious territory. But as for everything meaning everything, I mean, I don't know, I guess in a sense, yes. But also, um, it, I mean, you have to habituate yourself to that position. You'd be astonished by like how much um, we're sort of geared towards meaningless actions or meaningless um, like pseudo events that don't really matter, I think has dominated the world's sort of consciousness. And that means that people are just uh, fundamentally doing things that don't matter even more. Like it's like we're at a race to the bottom in terms of doing things that matter. But if that makes sense. Hmm. Average centrist, do you agree? Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure 
uh, I mean, for me, I'm kind of on your side, Lev. I think everything does matter. But how, on the degree of how much it actually matters, I guess, is what is questionable. Like, obviously, smaller things are not going to matter as much. But I think they should, just on an individual level, you should try and treat it that way, though, right? Because at the end of the day, it will matter to the small microcosm mm. of people and stuff that you're involved with. Mm. So, yeah, it does It does matter to a large degree. Like, you know, it depends. It, we're talking kind of generally, so maybe we need to get a bit more specific. Well, but. it's like that uh, Jesus quote about what you put in your mouth matters less than what comes out of your mouth. I mean, mm. I'm uh, butchering the quote here, but is no, that correct? No, I know correct? you're about that, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I think so, yeah. And the JCB, I think that we're going to be uh, pretty much concluding this pretty soon. There is one last thing I wanted to ask you when it comes to, um, and just get into this just as much as you would prefer, um, when it comes to the uh, military-industrial complex, all that stuff, for people who are more on the civilian side of it, who are not really, you know, um, who are not really familiar with anything having to do with that part of uh, the world, can you give us any better idea of what exactly that's like, as much as you're comfortable with? Well, that's a crazy gear change. Um, <laughs> um, well, I don't. What do you want to know? I mean, it, basically, I think I think people just uh, I think people would be shocked to hear how just stultifying and boring it is. Like, I it's it's very. Um, there's, 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 we've still sort of got this vestigial like support the troops thing from, from, from 9-11. And mm. so there's lots of dudes who are online who were like a procurement guy and they lived in Ohio and they just did spreadsheets. Um, and there's, it's probably 10 to one. It's probably 10 to one uh, in terms of like people who just sort of uh, were in that world versus people who did anything interesting. And um yeah, I'm, I like. I, 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 maybe tell me more about. Like, I, okay, driving. okay, I can narrow it down. Something that I've always been very fascinated by is the existence of black projects. Whether we're talking about Operation uh, High Jump, you know that whole thing about Admiral Byrd going into Antarctica and supposedly fighting the uh, Nazis and the UFOs, and you know all <laughs> this crazy stuff having to do with the Battle of Los Angeles with those UFO aircraft and the Foo Fighters around Washington D.C. So all this fascinating stuff to me that uh, Jason Giorgiani, for example, likes talking about makes me think. If there are things like that, and we have had documentations of, uh, you know, from the Navy, we had that weird craft that they said, you know, it's a UFO, but it's like, why why would they talk about that? What's going on there? Is that Operation Bluebeam? But anyway, to me, what's interesting to find out is how car, and I can never say this word correctly, so bear with me, how car compartmentalized, there we go, how compartmentalized are these various industries where would it be possible to hide something like a breakaway civilization, like all of this advanced off-world uh, technology from the masses? <laughs> uh, how compartmentalized is it? Um, your, your audio broke up a little bit. That was that was your yeah. question, right? How yeah. compartmentalized? Yeah. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean... If that exists, uh, I don't know anything about it. And if I didn't know about it, I couldn't tell you. Um, I mean, it, yeah, it, like, it, again, um, th they bring a lot of people in with this sort of wink, wink about, like, you're going to get the inside dope. You're going to learn some things. 
you're not <laughs> like like it's 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 uh in fact overclassification is a huge problem where just everything sort of gets classified and then nobody can look at it unless they're you know uh unless they drive you know an hour and a half to the location where they can look at it and it's stupid and, and so like <laughs> yeah like uh it, 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 sh it would shock you how like and I, I was sort of expecting like that i would get behind the doors and it would be like plate glass and chrome and like <laughs> uh you know touch screens and 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 the thing is it is so challenging to get technology through the door that it's like 1978 over there <laughs> like the the it, it's unbelievably backward and and i I don't know. Maybe the Chinese are doing something cooler than what we're doing. We're not doing a whole lot that's particularly cool. I'm sorry to disappoint you. <laughs> well, that well, that still makes me think, though, that with all the inheritance we've had from Operation Paperclip, if we're talking about the Nazi rocket scientists, to uh, somebody like, uh, what's his name, the uh, guy who was into uh, Crowleyism, he was a disciple of Aleister Crowley, Jack Parsons. So when you have somebody like that, who was Parsons, responsible... Jack yeah, Parsons. Yeah, Jack Parsons, yeah. who was responsible for the uh, modern state of rocketry from uh, World War II, like he was a major figure there, you have somebody like that who is so obsessed with uh, magic, sex magic in particular, and then you look at somebody like uh, Oppenheimer, who quoted the Bhagavad Gita after the uh, atom bomb was set off. So you have examples of people, you know, or Isaac Newton or, you know, Nikola Tesla, like I mentioned before, you have these examples of people who have done absolutely monumental contributions for the positive or negative towards humanity, and they seem to be operating at a realm that actually accepts a lot of these various off-world mystical concepts as opposed to the uh, the layperson. So that makes me kind of think yeah. that there may be something that is going on. I mean, to give you one personal example, there was this satellite that was launched recently, and my friend uh, who I uh, asked uh, if she can put the coordinates of Antarctica into the satellite, she did so, and... And uh, this wasn't just the only purpose of the satellite, but it was going to take photos of Antarctica. Guess what happened? It blew up. Now, I'm not saying that it's because I gave the uh, coordinates of Antarctica <laughs> that it blew up. Ah. But maybe, I don't know, because I have, yet, <laughs> I have yet to find I have yet to find an image of Antarctica on like uh you know the satellite feed that is uh pretty clear you know what i mean that is like as detailed you know to the layers that we would get from like google maps looking at the individual tree or the individual plank of wood that's lying on geo's lawn you know what i mean like there there is a tangibility oh, sure yeah there is a tangibility sure. to the things that it captures well, so here, part of that problem hello are they shutting you down? So What's going on? Part of the yeah, there we go. Is that uh, that has to do with orbits? Like, I think it is. I think it is uh, the, the man trying to keep me down. <laughs> um, no, but but that has to do with orbits. So uh, w it's very easy for us to send satellites into orbits, sort of in that, that follow with the orbit of the uh, with the rotation of the Earth. Um, and we do things called um, highly elliptical orbits or polar orbits that can be used to watch um, to watch other areas. 
but like they generally are like if you're doing something like that first of all it's expensive and and so they're generally deployed over the northern hemisphere because uh you know that's sort of the, the closest point of contact with russia um but like you know uh, yeah it, you'd have to be you'd have basically in other words if you're building a satellite that orbits around the earth in the usual way you're getting a full view of the whole earth and that's that's pretty easy to make that useful but in order to to, to launch a satellite into orbit around antarctica you can't like you, you're having to make that orbit really close to antarctica and really far away from everything else because it's very elliptical and so like again it would have to be a, a satellite purpose built for that so um so th that's probably the closest i've got to like a blue pill on that like may maybe maybe that's why we haven't seen those kinds of images but mm. Uh, I think as the technology improves and as time goes on, that's going to get less and less defensible if they never hmm. if they never send anything to Antarctica. Well, it's a strange thing because when I asked my friend about it, she says that she has to get permission from uh, NOAA. I'm not spelling it correctly, but it's like the national whatever, whatever. It's the organization that kind of gives you the clearance on uh, whether you're allowed to sa send a satellite. atmospheric. Yeah, 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 that's it, yes. So when it comes to what they said, they said, sure, absolutely, go for it. Which makes me think that, okay, so either they're stupid, that they're not aware that you cannot move the satellite in that direction, or, you know, is somebody not aware of something here? Because when you said this, to me, that means that there is a technological limitation, but then why, how could they even approve of that satellite being able to go over there? So do you see what I mean? Like, some, something's fishy here, something's not right. No, 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 I'm not... Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that it's like technologically impossible because we, we do have polar and, and, and elliptical orbits. Um, it, it's more just that uh, economically, you've got to be you've got to have the money to say, I want to launch a satellite and maintain a satellite just for the purpose of looking at Antarctica and nothing else. Mm. And and most the economics on most satellites is that is that sort of scientific missions get piled onto defense missions or, or or some other satellite, some other commercial mission, and they sort of ride along and do their experiments. Mm. So this would have to be something that's just looking at an area that's not particularly well, ostensibly that's not particularly strategically significant, and not particularly economically significant. So. I, I, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know the ins and outs. I just that's one explanation for why it might be challenging. Interesting. I know that uh, there was a comment here about John Kerry going to a trip to uh, to the Antarctic. So I'm not really sure why he uh, why he did that there. But I don't know. There's a whole bunch of very interesting stuff about that. I don't want to dwell too much on it right now. Let's just say that there is a bit of a uh, a bit of a mystery going on that who knows if it's going to be solved later on. But to conclude this uh, stream. I want to, first of all, thank you so much, JCB, for being here. I want to thank Average Centrist for being here, for Geo for being here. All you guys, there is a super chat that I would like to read because we did get one super chat. And listen, guys, if you want to help BTR out, then 
send us a super chat right now we are going to read the super chat but i'm going to look at this one once again everybody subscribe and also don't forget to become a patron patreon.com slash break the rules is where you go for patrons who are of the five dollar tier we are going to be doing a reunion stream coming up soon with the patrons with a lot of your old favorites i want to get metaphor man in there you know metaphor man is finally back on twitter and we should definitely do a sewing discourse with metaphor man as well but uh anyway the super chat goes as follows Anthony Cheron, $5. Does the LDS Church still have extensive involvement in Boy Scouts of America from an Eagle Scout? Oh, man. They had that? Beats me. Shit. No, no. That was just definitive. Sorry, my connection is <laughs> No problem. <laughs> that means that they do. Uh, the, the Boy Scouts um, at one time were... Yeah. So it was originally like a third of the Boy Scouts budget or maybe even half was uh, provided by church sponsored troops. Oh, man. Um, and essentially when when they started to when they started to introduce um, mixed gender and same sex uh, troops, or, sorry, sorry, mixed gender and like and like allowing same sex leaders uh, or or gay leaders um it it uh the, the church basically did a drawdown i think in 2018 and uh basically said yeah we're gonna we're gonna remove our association and, and now it looks like the boy scouts are having to sell off a bunch of stuff and, and they're sort of getting buried by all these uh child abuse lawsuits so yeah no the, the affiliation ended like four or five years ago and uh wonder yeah, why it was, that it was over culture war stuff i wonder why those never mind I'm not... <laughs> mm. well there that was the... the that was the problem the south park episode that mm. that's what ruined it by the way are boys allowed in the girl scouts just like girls no, are now allowed in the they're boys not. no they're not well they're what if not. they say that their gender is a uh, female what then i don't know wouldn't that be an end i think well i think they they yeah so much for the tolerant left <laughs> 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 it's just so stupid like the boy scouts getting like you know i mean that was a big culture war thing during the 2010s or like sort of like up there with the war on christmas is the war on boy scouts i don't mm. know that was a big thing back in the day so uh anyway i also want to say that the uh, 20 dollar patrons are going to get a beautiful wooden magnet and the $30 patrons are going to get a beautiful print from Giovanni Panacetti. And the $50 patrons are going... And by the way, the print is in the background here. You could see it right behind One of Gio. them. One of them. One of them, yes. And in fact, let One me... One of five. Uh, let me turn the virtual background back to that print as well. So you could see it on my screen as well. Mm. So anyway... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, $50 patrons are going to get all of that plus another beautiful painting from Geo, plus a custom magnet of whatever you want within limits, 
and you guys are going to get a uh, upon request a poster of the uh, thumbnails that my dad painted uh, be sure to uh, let us know uh, if you want that and which one you want plus you are going to get a beautiful Warhammer 40k figure from Jules P. Hamilton and uh, yeah that's uh, that's pretty much it mm. of course go to our discord if you guys are not in our discord yet what are you even doing with yourself wait I the Girl Scouts are sponsored by fucking Planned Parenthood oh my god Wow. Is that true, Sean? Sean Stryker. I wonder, is that the real Eric Stryker in our chat? I don't know. Um, Wait, the but, uh, Eric oh. doo -doo 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 Stryker. Is oh, that, that, the, uh... that was a funny stream. Um, but uh, like, oh my God, that makes total sense, though, if the Girl Scouts are sponsored by Planned Parenthood. It's almost like uh, nothing nefarious with that. Um, mm. And I saw, I have to go actually, but I saw those. Um, okay cupid ads oh yeah aesthetically terrible kitschy millennial pink pastel nonsense about like um it's okay to date someone who's just pro-choice or it's so uh, what is the one that it said um it, it was like uh it's not okay to date someone who won't a man who won't vote for a woman president here here this this one that was over a here. good one <laughs> let me uh, make a uh I don't want this to vote is, for any president. I don't believe in voting. Um, I don't believe in democracy. A, so okay, so let's let's see what we got. This is from Stained Haynes, by the way. Yeah, he, so, he got, shout he got out good to, numbers there. Yeah, shout Man. out to 718 TV. So he says over here, it's okay, so it's okay to have strong convictions and abandon them for the night. No, it's so, not. So that's, one. that's the point. <laughs> it's, Another o one. it's okay to not date a man who won't vote for a woman. Well, if that and, woman was Joan of Arc, maybe I would consider voting for mm. her. Okay, it's okay to choose Mr. Right based on how far he leans left. <laughs> <laughs> this is so fucking lame. This is like, do they not realize that mm. this, like, it just proves that, like, the yeah. left, not that the left uh, can't uh, mean, uh, but it's just so fucking lame. And, and Gio, this one's, this one's probably Only your favorite. Only fucking aging it's okay. Yeah, it's, okay to it's okay to choose some date. Uh, it's okay to choose only to choose to only date someone who's pro-choice. Wow, some some like aging millennial cat lady, like sipping wine and like taking uh, wine and wine and shirt. Um, sorry, Chardonnay and Xanax probably came up with that one. That's I don't know. And here's That's the uh, here's the tweet that I did above that. Cringe. Let's see if we can. Uh, here we go. So uh, <laughs> it's almost like this was done to discourage dating. As the how far we've fallen yeah well but well actually to be, Nate, to be fair lev though they probably have a pretty decently high body count both of them well so. act actually geo you are you are not far off the mark because this lady over here her name is lisa winters this girl in red and she is actually oh. a playboy playmate and you could see naked pictures of her if you go oh, to God. our discord channel so there we go oh. they're very tasteful though they are tasteful oh yeah those tasteful ones, yeah. nudity yes she was photographed by bunny jaeger who was this uh playmo photographer who also photographed joyce nazari remember her geo oh, the, yeah, Itali the... the italian babe yeah. so anyway it's i want to share I want to share one last tweet, which was sent by uh, Paul Rossi. You guys remember Paul? He was on that stream with uh, Sticks Hex and Hammer Six Six Six. I should that say that the blonde, like her, Winters probably has a higher body count because she looks like she's hasn't a. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> okay, so uh, this was the tweet from uh, Paul Rossi. Th that's a as self a reply. insert from the millennial and, marketing mm. executive. So uh, Paul writes, at some point, being recessive and elusive ceases to generate desire and instead curdles into alienating and imperious. 
I watched this happen to the East Village hipsters. Yeah, the that's The object true. of desire feels entitled to being desired. That's very true. Like, the dramatic tension can only go so far into being prudish and frigid. I don't know. Oh, and by the way, Sean Stryker, don't simp, gents. Playboy was a CIA op. Yes, okay, look. Playboy I was a CIA op. I understand that it was, but here's the thing. I think of the 1950s image of the uh, female as being kind of like the geisha of the time. There was something very flower-like and artistic about that fluffy, puffy uh, 1950s hair and makeup and all that, that they, they were had. And they're all on speed, too. That makes it even more interesting. Really? Just like the Nazis were? No, you didn't know that that a lot of fifties housewives are on speed. Well, she's not. Like, a, well, she's not a housewife. To be fair, she's a model. I don't know. Yeah, if you that's... remember even like um, what's his name? Curtis talked about that in his newest. Uh, remember, like how Nancy Reagan taught. Like that's what inspired the "Just Say No" because they gave her Vicodin or something. I forget. Oh yeah, was... and that was the uh, that was that clinic, right? That was set up the Betty Ford Clinic. Betty Ford what? Clinic, yeah. Yeah, that that was set up for those uh, purposes. So anyway, I am posting an image of Lisa Winters. One now of they her do images. Xanax. Yes, in uh, in sushi bar. I want to make sure I don't accidentally post it in BTR chat. But listen, guys, <laughs> if you want to see if you want to see tasteful. If you want to see taste, nudes. yeah, tasteful nudes, go to our uh, Discord. <laughs> Go to our uh, Discord server over here. Uh, l listen, listen, okay? There is there is beauty in the female body. It's good to strike a balance between, you know, the. I'm not going to put people into a uh, burqa, and I think that the female body is a beautiful thing. There's got to be balance here. That's my idea. Anyway, this guys. All right, that's fine. We are at the end of the stream. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for watching. I really enjoyed this one. We are going to have the following happen uh, next week, by the way. We are going to have uh, Turkey Tom and Tom Sauer, the two Toms, meeting of the two Toms. One is a uh, famous YouTube uh, content creator uh, commentator, and the other is a uh, former uh, Navy bomb squad. So it'll definitely be what an interesting intergenerational combination. I don't know, Lev. I, I think you just do this because it sounds good in your head. <laughs> but then, like, later you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> no, it's going to be great. Next, we are going to have Mary Harrington, Thursday, oh, September 30th. And she, is going to be, and she is going to be on with Default Friend. So Default Friend is going to be joining the fun. Then we are going to oh, have... I should invite my friend Alicia for that. Excellent. Then we are going to have Max Derrid and Paul Town for the mental health stream. So we are going to have the POV from uh, uh, Max Derrid, who has autism, and Paul Town, who has schizophrenia. <laughs> that That oh. is going to be the interesting oh. one. And then <laughs> this is, this is like a Playboy article. That's like... Let's interview a schizo and also let's have him get interviewed by a, by someone with autism. Like that's like classic Vice magazine. Like by, when it was an actual magazine back in the the late nineties, it's like, let's talk to a schizo. No, I think it'll be a great conversation. <laughs> Paul Town really wanted to come on, and I think this is going that's to be uh, this is gonna be a great a great chance to speak with him again. So Thursday, October twenty seventh, sticks versus Joel Davis. Blah, blah, blah. Ooh, it's going oh down. That is going to be that is going to be ooh, that is going to be intense. That is going to be a spicy meatball. Uh, sorry, no oh, offense, Gio. Man. Okay. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> oh, fuck. And we are going to have Eggy and Patriot J Thursday, October 14th, and hopefully they're going to have like a rap duet or something uh, going down rap there. Duet. <laughs> <laughs>
Freestyle. <laughs> what is going on on these streams? <laughs> You have to find uh, a way to put audio and have a beat. Though, get some license, license-free beat. I will figure. I will figure that out as we uh, as we go there. <laughs> Everybody, this is the end of the stream. Thank you guys so much for watching. Please subscribe. Share this with your friends. We gotta get the numbers up. Thank you so much for watching.